0: I love the politics on the show but this shit is going left or right as it were. <laughs> um so Mitt Romney got robbed.
1: Uh... <laughs>
2: to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is your host, Khalif Adams. I am joined this week and every week, especially because this is now episode 71 of our show of uh, the Spawn of Me podcast. So, Cicero Holmes, how are you doing, sir? Uh,
0: rumors of my demise have been greatly overestimated. I'm Damn not it. dead yet, y'all. I'm back. Damn it. Damn you it. can celebrate. Can't you feel a brand new day? I am here. Enjoy. Enjoy.
2: So you were missed. I'm not going to lie. Thank you. I'm not gonna lie; it was it was very difficult to to, to co-host with Sharif Jackson because you know he knows things. Yeah. And, and yeah. Oh, so it. what are you saying? <laughs> 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 you tried to say
0: that? Oh, okay. Nice. I like that. I like that shade. Apparently, that was that was some, some good. Fan that breaks. was some good
2: shade. That was some yeah, good yeah. Shade. That, was, that
0: was that was that was some Chico Leo esque shade. Nice. <laughs> that was well beautiful. Well that was that well was, was
2: great. It was served. It was served hot. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so no, it was great. It was great uh, to, to co-host the last show. Uh, if folks did not you know we did take a week off right uh kind of recharge our battery so thank you everybody for for hanging out and and the kind of messages that we got about people missing the show was dope yes uh so and again if you didn't listen to the last episode episode 70 we talked with the beautiful folks who are running adaf which is happening no that was 69 what that was 69 you did 70 with sharif i I totally just missed it oh yeah anyway
0: (laughs) you just talked about that
2: I totally Listen, just Listen, or,
0: so Oregon just passed recreational marijuana. <laughs> you need to slow down, <laughs> bro.
2: You need hey, to man. slow down. Hey, man, did you ever know about unicorns, bro? Right. <laughs> you, unicorns, they speak real fast when you walk real slow. Right. Um. Right. They're oh, like yeah, Twister. So, um, basically. Yeah, so 70 was actually the, the our return to college radio show. Yes, yes. Um, I the got, Shaka I got to Zulu's indul- Joint. The that Shaka Zulu show. I got that to indul- indulge myself with a little bit of college radio from from back in the day. Uh, and folks really liked it. They liked all the music that we played. We played a lot of like deep cut hip hop joints uh, yeah. underneath underneath our gaming discussion which was which was fun. um and um a lot of people dug it so thank you to everyone who listened uh to to episode 70 and hung out with us there uh you were missed it's glad to have you back how you been
0: um you know i'm doing i'm doing really great and uh you know during during my time off um i went out to the bay area and um i got to hang out with uh, mike j Micah and frank safaldi and uh a lot of people over at uh at other ocean mm-hmm. um, they showed me some really cool shit. Uh, we had a great time it act- actually- happened to be mike's birthday
2: yeah so
0: so I brought him um i asked him if he liked beer, and he was like, oh, "I'm not a beer guy I'm more like a more like a a, a college girl i'm a college girl drinker so because <laughs> he's a college girl drinker, I bought him some birthday cake vodka.
3: Oh, God. and
0: so we so we partook of some birthday cake vodka. There was a barbecue. Um, I'd like to believe in my honor, um, but it may have just been for Mike's birthday. But uh, so, yeah, we had some birthday cake vodka and some barbecue and some cake. And it was and a great time. And uh, and I played some basketball with with Mike and uh, my new friend, Tom, uh, who, who may be on the show real soon because Tom is awesome. Nice. Uh, Tom Tom worked for G four. Um, uh, we talked about the Cess a lot. Um he had really good things to say about you, Adam. So <laughs> um
2: <laughs> Yeah, cool. so
0: yeah, so it was a it was a great time. Thanks a lot, everybody over at Other Ocean, um, for all the things that they that they uh they did. And um and and again your show with uh, Sharif in spite of the fact that Sharif was on was uh was very, very good. <laughs> It was very, very good. That was, yeah. uh, that was some shade at Sharif, even though you were the one that's throwing shade at me, so maybe I should have um, thrown that back at you. But anyway, I'll do that later on.
2: It's um, the shade Triforce. That's right,
0: right, doing. exactly, exactly. So one of the things that they showed me while, while I was there was um, they have been blessed with restoring the Capcom collection for, mm-hmm. for uh, or not the Capcom collection, the Mega Man collection from Capcom. Right. Um, and, uh, and I got to play a couple of levels of, of that game and um, you know it's quite apropos that we, talk, we get to talk about the Mega Man collection or at least the fact that I was able to see it because our guest today happens to have a certain level of a, a, a certain affinity for uh, Mega Man um, and you know it's, it's if I may if I may introduce this guy absolutely good um, so i'm I'm really excited so this is the second person, the second guest that we, we're going to have on our show that's visited Bricago from my home island of of Long um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way I'm gonna um, look it up in Google for right now exactly exactly so not only is this gentleman a fellow islander a fellow long islander he is also a fellow fan of the new york islanders and for the first time ever i i can feel comforted by the fact that my political affiliations <laughs> are not alone i can feel an echo for the first time ever i'm able to record with a fellow republican a fellow person in their right mind
2: oh, um, sweet Jesus!
0: and 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 so so it really honestly bricago it it is my pleasure to bring to you formerly of ign and and you know this year him and his buddy uh Greg Miller and, and and all of their friends, Tim Geddes and some other dudes, you know, who cares about them. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to write IGN. a timestamp down for that. I'm going to write a timestamp right, down.
1: Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's great. They left
0: IGN and, and uh, created yet a second company off of their kind of funny moniker and created kind of funny games. Uh, this is our friend, Mr. Colin Moriarty. How are you doing today, Colin?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me. Two things. Uh, Mitt Romney got robbed. Number two. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I, Already? You said, you said uh, I have a certain affinity for Mega Man. That's one term for it. I would call it creepy obsession. Okay. Like Man. Okay. All
0: right. Well, you know, at least you said it, and not me.
1: Oh
2: my God! So, so,
0: Colin, have you had a, have you had a chance to play it yet?
1: Uh, I went to play it at E3, but the lines were too long, um, oh. and I didn't have to because we were doing our stage show there, and so I didn't have mm-hmm. too much time to go like dick around, but. Uh, I've been talking to them. They're going to come show it to me uh, very soon. I'm actually doing one of the. I'm actually making one of the challenges in the game, which is going to be cool. Uh, oh, awesome. that's badass! Awesome. Yeah, that's dope. Um, so I got that's, to, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. Man. No, no, no. Please, please. I was just saying. I'm,
1: I'm super excited about it just for the trophies. I'm just hoping that you know it has it has a platinum trophy. That's all. That's that's almost all I care yeah. about at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, mm.
0: yeah. So I I got to I got to play some of it. Um, I probably sat down for about half an hour. Um, I let Frank playing for most of it because he designed it and uh he's infinitely better at the game than I am. <laughs> um, considering I haven't played I haven't played a Mega Man game since Mega Man two and I played Mega Man two when it was released as <laughs> as a youngster. So uh so it's it's to say it's been a while is a little bit of an understatement. Um and but but boy does it look amazing and the challenges are ridiculous. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're a fan of, of nostalgia gaming, of retro gaming, um, this is going to be a really good summer for you be, between uh, the Mega Man uh, Mega Man collection and the rare 30 for 30, um, or what, whatever they call it. I guess they can't call it 30 for 30 because they get sued by ESPN, but whatever the fuck that thing is called.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> it's it's going to be a really fun time for, for retro gaming. Yeah, so,
2: absolutely. Yeah, um, I guess to a certain extent, I want to know. I want to know where this creepy obsession for for Mega Man came from because it's 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 kind of one of those seminal titles and some one of the seminal IPs that people have always gone back to in their brains of like this started. A lot of the amazing platforming that we've seen, uh, kind of kind of push itself forward in the genre. How, how did you start and fall in love with Mega Man? I think it was uh, Mega Man Two
1: was the game that that made me fall in love with with it. And we used to go and rent it from this place on the island called Showtime Video. Showtime Video. Oh Showtime and, Video. And they would, and they eventually they offered to sell it to us because we were like just renting it like every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so uh, it started there, and then I got Mega Man 3 for Christmas in 1990, um, and that's my favorite game of all time. So that was uh, when I fell in love with it. And then Mega Man 1, uh, my grand- my grandma lived next to these really great people. They lived in Mineola, so that was closer to the oh, city. Um, right. And uh, we would go there, and their neighbors, the Hershes, uh, had this-, this great guy, Michael, who's you know older than me. Um, but I used to go over there and play games with him all the time. He was just really nice to me, like an older brother kind of figure. And he had the original Mega Man. Um, which is my least favorite of the classic games, but so hmm. that was kind of when I got into like this the trifecta of Mega Man, and uh, it's just it's just like pure brilliant gameplay, and, and the enemy designs are excellent and all that. So it was just it was the reason that I got really into games was just that series. Oh my goodness, nice.
0: yeah, nice, That's Nice. So uh, so I guess Colin, let's let's go back to it. So you you know so you're from Long Island. I am. Where where are you where are you are you a Nassau guy? Or are you a Suffolk guy?
1: I'm a Suffolk guy. I'm from uh, Brookhaven, uh, South Shore, right on the Great South yes. Bay, uh, right near the Brookhaven Laboratory. And that, that's what I was saying. I, I grew up around so much particle acceleration and nuclear, whatever the <laughs> hell was going on over there, that it, it really explains a great deal about uh, about me. Although, I, I, a lot of people lose sight of video games were also invented there. Uh, Tennis for Two was yeah. the first video game of all time, and that was invented at Brookhaven Labs on the island. There so, you go. There um, you go. So you, yeah. you were at ground zero... For mutations and video games. Yep. Congratulations. Yeah, there's a weird documentary. I don't even remember what the hell it's called uh, about that I watched just like six months ago about all the weird shit that was going on at Brookhaven Labs and like with nuclear power and all this kind of stuff and how there's like fallout in certain places
2: around. Oh, wait. That was called The Toxic Avenger. (laughs) That was that that movie.
0: So, So you joke, you kid, but Colin probably knows about this, too. There is there have been a couple of sightings of these like amorphous blob beast things that have been found off the coast of like, I think they found them off of Montauk, but on the South Fork of Montauk where and nobody knows what they They still haven't been able to classify exactly (laughs) what these things are.
1: It's weird. It it was probably it was probably Chris Christie wash up on right. you. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't you try to it's, get democratic points with me. Right, it's the it's the rest of Chris Christie. Listen, you know, we're we're disassociating ourselves from from him right now. He you know, he's he's going out there. He's he's balls to the walls right now. Um all right, so you know, um let's let's talk about well, a couple of things and I I I know these things about you and you can fill you know, feel free to fill in the blanks. Um, where you know wherever you like. Um, so you went to Northeastern in
1: Massachusetts. I did. Yes. You
0: graduated with a degree for, in history.
1: Yep, American history. Yep.
0: American history. And uh, let's talk about really quickly, freak show. That is the twenty sixteen Republican ticket. <laughs> oh wait, we're just jumping it, right into it, that right <laughs> now. As it as it currently stands.
2: Oh shit.
0: Well, I mean, because listen, I gotta make sure that I do whatever I can to, uh, to make to keep keep our fans entertained, at (laughs) least right now. Like, I gotta keep Mm -hmm. them engrossed, and then I'll fuck Mm -hmm. shit up later on. Okay, (laughs) so so let's let's talk about the the, you know the circus clown, Three Stooges.
1: Rogues gallery that we've
3: got <laughs> out. <laughs>
1: that's perfect. You know, but Barack Obama did a, a video. I don't know where he was. It just came out last week, and I, I posted it on my Facebook because I thought it was so funny where he was talking about how it was like a Hunger Games. Uh, right. like, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he was just like – he's like, that's a really interesting bunch. And I was like, you know what? Barack Obama, I don't see eye to eye with you on, on many right. things, but certainly the funniest I think just overtly most most funny uh, president we've ever had. But I think the right. the field is is weird um, as it usually is, <laughs> uh, Right. and I, I think that you know Donald Trump's taking up all the oxygen right now, which is unfortunate. Sure. Uh, although I'm super excited about the debates, I can't wait to see him in the debates. I think it's gonna be, I'm going to be totally. Honest. I I hope he go, I hope he lasts. I hope he like wins New Hampshire. I hope it like goes all the way. I just want to see this. Just see, it would be really bad for us, but. Um, right. But no, I think that there's some serious contenders in there. I'm, I'm probably gonna end up pulling the trigger for Rand Paul. Although I I um, I like Chris Christie, I was I was shitting on him before. I like him. Right, he's, right. he's a Rockefeller Republican, and right. um and right. I like the idea of him putting New Jersey and New York into play in the general. But I just don't I don't think he has it in him. And then otherwise, like there's like really fringe candidates. Like Carly Fiorina is really smart, but no one's gonna care about her. Um, no right. You know, uh, Scott Walker is an interesting dude. I just. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a really vanilla kind of, like, group. Like, Jeb Bush, like, do we really need a fucking Bush? <laughs>
2: right.
0: You know? Well, um, I mean, really what it boils down to is it, it's, it's – there are, like, two or three candidates in the, in the on the Republican side mm-hmm. that uh, that are – you know, that really have a chance at winning it all. Um, and, and Bush is – you know, it looks like it's going to be a Bush-Clinton, um, you know, 2016 – Go, you know, going to the polls type of type of fall for us. Yeah, fantastic. Go Trump. Let's go Trump. Yes. Let's go <laughs> Trump. Yeah.
2: I was telling I was having a conversation with some folks the other night and yes. I was in, and and uh, I was like, you know what I would really love because I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm on the, the, the kind of fence right now where I'm in between Democratic and Republican and, and um, uh, independent. And it's been really interesting to just see Trump get back in the race. And people are like, "Yo, he's like leading the polls," and I'm like, "How the fuck is this happening?" <laughs> it's, one, go ahead. Go ahead uh, I'm I was just gonna say it's all about name recognition. No one really believes sure. it, you know. Right. Yeah, it's name recognition. But I also I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this could be great for the country. I said, let's <laughs> let's let Trump win it all, let him become the president, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I when, think it'll be. I, I call it the Great Reset.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Trump, you know, you know what else the was a great, great reset? reset?
2: Was uh, is
0: is Kurt Douglas gonna come out, or is it Kurt Douglas? I think it was Kurt. No, it was Michael Douglas, or Kurt Russell. That's what. That's what it was. It was Kurt Russell, in Escape from New York.
2: <laughs> when, <laughs> I mean, because that's basically what it's gonna turn into. The but the satellites but just are gonna shut about down. It. But just everything's think, everything's gonna be it. fucked. So Trump becomes president. Play play along with me for a second. Right. So Trump okay. becomes president, and we have the Gold House. Cause, because it can't be the White
0: House. Everything is going to be remodeled in gold. Because that be is spectacular.
2: The, it'll, it'll be the color of his toupee. It'll be straw. <laughs>
0: right? It'll, 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 it'll be a
2: straw-colored, a straw-colored house. So he wins He wins the, the election. Then all the nutjobs who are, like, super excited and super gung-ho about all the crazy shit get to rule the country for four years, right? Then we lose all standing in, in the rest of the world. And all the crazy people are like, we really let this happen. This is our fault. We just did this. And then we come to a reasonable place after the four years.
1: It's an, inter- Make sense? It's an interesting thought. I, I feel like there is something to it about like almost hitting rock bottom before you can get you can get any better. The thing the thing right. the thing about Trump that bothers there's a few things about Trump that, you know, just from an, an honest place, like it's unfortunate that he's crazy because <laughs> we do need someone like him. But not him. And what I mean by that is, like, right. we need someone who's not a politician, who has executive business experience. We do need a CEO. We do need an executive, right. not a politician, right. to fix our financial right. issues and all these kinds of things. So I do believe, I do believe that. But, um, and that's why I like Mitt Romney because Mitt Romney was he was a politician, sure, but he wasn't really a politician. I liked how he was right. a businessman who who had to make hard decisions. Um, and uh, so Donald Trump likes he's saying what people want to hear, but. It's easy to look back at polling in the summer of, of before primary start. Like, you know, Rudy Giuliani was winning by, like, 40 right. points at right. this point in 2007. So it was like right. it doesn't really matter. And I personally – I'm starting to – I'm actually becoming way more intrigued by what's happening on the Democratic side because I'm starting to oh. really believe that Hillary Clinton is going to lose to Bernie Sanders. To Bernie and if Sanders? That, and if that happens, then we win. So, right. <laughs> I, I, and I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing to Bernie Sanders because I have a great deal of respect for him as a person. Right. I think he's honest. He he, you know, he's he says what he means, and he's been saying it for fifty years. Exactly. I and mean, he marched with King. Exactly. He's always been about uh, civil rights and the poor and the middle class. I mean, I really do appreciate those kinds of things. He says what he means. But when you say what you mean, and that is the rich should be taxed at ninety percent, right? And, right. Uh, we need universal health care, right. but who the hell's going to pay for it and all this right. kind of stuff? It's like that's you can't win on that right. on that platform. No, right, but right. he is so compelling because I really do feel like the Democrats don't want Clinton. No. That they're looking for anyone. Right. And he might be the person. It might be a very it might be a very um, uh, what's a good example like 68 uh, when Nixon was elected like when when you had like a, a Democrat that really couldn't win going right. against Hubert right. Humphrey right. Right. going up right. against him and it's a similar thing where you're voting your heart and you really need to vote your brain. Right. And right. right. If you want to win then Hillary must be the candidate but I'm not so convinced that she's going to win New Hampshire um, and if she and she might win the caucus in Iowa, but it doesn't really matter because like Rick Santorum won the caucus. Right, exactly. right, exactly. It really, it really begins in New Hampshire, yeah. and if she can't win there, she's in a lot of trouble. I am really way
2: more excited about that. Here's the thing, though. Yep. Here's the here, and I agree. And the the funny thing is this: if you ask most Democrats, you really get into the nitty gritty of who they really want. Everyone wanted Elizabeth Warren to run. I did too. That's what every everybody <laughs> and their mama wanted Elizabeth Warren to run, and when she didn't, that was the nail in the coffin for whoever else it was besides Hillary. And that, and that was it. Because O'Malley is okay, but O'Malley is still kind of milk toast, And, you know, he kind of feels like he is trying too hard to kind of fit in, fit into the, the scheme somehow. And Bernie, to a certain extent, is great. But Bernie is not going to play well across the rest of the country in a, in a, in a general primary. He's he, just he, not. He he's won't, a New Yorker. He won't play,
0: he won't play in the Bible, though. He won't, he won't play, play in, in the Bible, but he, he, he'll, he's, he'll he's very he'll East Coast. He'll play really well in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, he'll yeah. play really well in in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, although this is you know this is allegedly Hillary's country, um, and then he'll play really well in the north in the Northeast.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, he'll play. and, and he, I Florida
0: mean, and Florida because yeah, so but we, it's, it, I, I,
1: he he has a path to get the nomination, but he does not have a path to to win the presidency but, unless. There really is an... All, like, unless you have, like, Rick Perry running against her. Right. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like... <laughs> so I think that, you know, I'm... But I'm not rooting... See, I, I like to keep keep it, you know, uh, on, on you know, the level. Like, I want him to win because I don't want Hillary Clinton to be uh, relevant anymore. Right, you know, like, right. we often forget what happened in 2000. And, you, you know, you guys being, you know, native New Yorkers may, might remember right. this, where she ran in New York in 2000 yeah. for Senate and Giuliani was going to fucking destroy right, her. Right, And... Giuliani got prostate cancer right. In that, that summer Right And my dad always had this conspiracy theory Being my dad <laughs> That uh, That they had something on him And mm. because prostate cancer Is a very survivable sure, cancer, especially especially sure. like Joe he was. Torrey had but, And I'm not saying that he wasn't sick And of course he was sick And all those kinds right. of things But But there was something weird About how he dropped out And then the Long Island Son of Long Island Rick Lazio Who was the sacrificial lamb In every nat- In every, con- in yes. every in statewide yes. election <laughs> Ran against her yes. And it, it, that was the reason – like so Rudy Giuliani getting sick was the reason she won at all right. and is relevant today. And I feel like there must be some redemption. Like I don't – she she got there because Giuliani didn't run. Mm-hmm. And so this whole path, this 15-year path since that point is all from that election. Yeah. And it infuriates me because she is a carpetbagger Yes, yes, and, exactly. And I don't – I just don't like that shit. It's the same thing that uh, – what the fuck was his name? Scott – uh, in Massachusetts. Scott, the guy that Elizabeth Warren Scott beat. Walker? Um, no, not Scott
2: Walker. No, no, Scott, no. Scott no, no. Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin.
1: I can't remember his name. The guy that like drove around Massachusetts in a pickup truck but he was really oh, from like yeah, New, yeah, Hampshire right. from New, New Hampshire or whatever. And then he went to New Hampshire yeah. and ran. You know, and then he like so he was from Massachusetts. He won that election against that awful uh Candidate, I can't even remember her name. That Elizabeth or Coakley, Martha Coakley. Coakley yes. Then, yes. Then she then she lost. He lost to Elizabeth Warren, right. and then he went to New Hampshire and just ran again. I'm like, come on, right. Right. you know, you can't do that <laughs> shit. Right. You know, right. and uh, so I don't. I want her to pay because I just feel like she used New York and she's not a New Yorker. Oh right? yeah, and she talks like she's a New Yorker. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, and I just feel like you, you. I want honest people, and I'm super excited I, when Elizabeth Warren it looked like Elizabeth Warren might run. I was super excited about her because I'm like Rand Paul. I really do feel like Rand Paul is probably going to win the nomination for the Republicans, yeah. and it would be a libertarian versus a socialist. Right. And for the first time in a long time, you'd have a real choice. Probably right. since maybe maybe FDR running, uh, you know, in '32 as a New Deal socialist. Like you have a you have a right. real, or maybe even Carter and Reagan in '80. Like yeah, you, have yeah, 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 you, mm-hmm. you, you have a choice. You have a choice. So and and yeah. So I don't
3: so, know, he, like so here's here's the million dollar question. <laughs>
2: As, as you take a swig, because I think we all need to take a swig after looking, right. at, looking at all the people <laughs> in this fucking race. So so here's the million dollar question. Do you feel and, and and I know this is, again, one of those questions that we can never really answer because we I doubt it's going to happen. But do you think a third party candidate will ever be elected to, to president of, of, this, of the United States? Yes, I do.
1: And I think I, I think that. I'm not really a believer in third parties as an organic thing like they do in Parliament or in Western Europe where it's like we have 17 parties and the person we have to make coalitions. Like in England it was always weird to me well in Britain where the coalition that ran the country for the last few years was a coalition of the far left and the right. Right, right. Because they had to just get together. I'm like that doesn't even make any sense. Um, (laughs) But I think that people are going to get disenchanted enough and it might take a a catastrophe like a depression or something for um, which I think is very possible. I think we're we're lucky we're not in a depression now right. uh, that I think it's going to take something like that to be like no one has the right answer and it's funny because I'm watching Ken Burns The Roosevelt's right now and oh. I'm a huge fan of The Roosevelt's nice um, just I love Teddy and I love FDR because they're transformative and they're interesting and they're dynamic right. um, but when Teddy Roosevelt ran Bull Moose in 1912 which was the third party he was it, I forgot that this happened where we had a third party candidate that came in second mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of people look at that election as, as as being like well Wilson won and then Taft came in second and Roosevelt came in third but it wasn't like that the Republicans came in last that year. Right. Um and so I think I think that in 1992 had Perot not dropped out in the summer and then came back later on he actually probably would have He would probably would have won. Um, yeah. Yep. And and I yeah. he was up he was up in June, July, early August mm-hmm. in 92 he was up in national polls and people just didn't like the two other two other choices um but the ironic thing about that is that in 1912 Roosevelt running lost half the election. We got Woodrow Wilson, right. and Perot running in '92 lost Bush the election, and we got Clinton. Right. Now you can look at that as positive or negative, but third parties have real. I mean, shit in 2000, Nader. Yeah. you yeah. know, everyone's always like the Supreme Court stole the election <laughs> for Bush, but it I'm like, Nader. no, Nader stole the fucking election. <laughs> right, it was Nader from Gore. Split, right. split the split the votes. Right. Yeah. So it's complicated. It's very politically complicated, but I feel like yes, I feel like it's possible, and I feel like it's almost necessary because um, I almost want to see the Republican Party die. Um, yes, I agree. but, but to me, it's <laughs> you know, like like where the Whigs turned into the Republicans. Right. Right. We kind of stay together as a coalition, but the, but the reason I'm a Republican is that I do believe in a lot of the Republican platform, but I'm trying to transform it from the inside. I just don't know if it's a losing battle because I feel like if we lose in 2016, we're probably going to lose in 2020 because the incumbent has such a great advantage. Right. And then the Republican Party becomes a ter- uh, becomes a, a regional party, and we will never win another election. Well, here's, here's the so, thing really quick, though, yeah.
2: and this is the thing that I appreciate about you. And one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show is because I think you are one of the – New, new, quote unquote, new Republicans, right? In the ways that, you, from from what I've seen of, of you on um, conversations well, with Colin and with other other conversations that you've had before, where you are very, very strictly uh, more on the Republican side when it comes to the fiscal side of it, but more, sure. way more liberal when it comes to the to the to the other side of that conversation. I would,
0: it, if if I could, if I could interrupt for a second and disagree with you. With with regards to the new Republicans, if anything, I would say that maybe Colin is like myself, in in so much that we're rhinos, Republican in name only, um, because the Republican Party has shifted so far to the right that that very there were there were a lot of the principles that I know that I I hold, uh, fiscal conservatism. And and then, you know, socially liberal
2: um, right, or socially
0: right. progressive are are things that very smart Republicans uh, have promoted in the past. But the but the party shifted and, and and those people have kind of disappeared. A lot of a lot of my mentors, uh, my political mentors were people like Colin Powell and and uh, Michael Steele, who, you know, who were who were very intelligent Men who believed in the free market, but also believed in, you know, the, the foundation and, you know, the foundation of of America and, and America's ability to embrace change um, from a from a social aspect and and and, you know, really, really kind of embracing all of the 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 flexibility, the social flexibility that comes with that. Um, so, you know, abortion and, and you know, a, you know, a woman's right to choose and and, you know, uh, civil rights and, and, you know, all of those things um, were, were important. But affirmative action isn't as important, you know, but understanding why affirmative action needs to be in place and attacking that is more important than actually implementing affirmative action. Is that is that more correct, Colin?
1: I mean, I, I mean, I would say, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but if you look at it through a different lens, I would almost say that they're the rhinos. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. like to to me, it's sure. You know, I, I feel like the, I, and this is one of the things that I, I say is really important with with the political spectrum is that first of all, it's not a line; it's a cylinder. Right. Right. right, right. Like, like, at some point, you get so fucking crazy on both ends that you sound exactly alike. That's why, <laughs> the, you know, that's why I think like you know the Soviet, like the the, the Bolsheviks and the Nazis sounded a lot of like, even though they had very different you know, political outlooks was that they weren't that different at all, right. you know? Um, and, you know, I'm just talking about that in terms of extremes. We don't have any sort of extremism like that in right. this country. Right. But um, even the tea party or the occupy wall street people are, are nothing like, you know, the bad shit that happened <laughs> right. in the early 20th century. Right. But, but to me, um, I like consistency. Right? right. And I don't like the federal government. Right. Like I just don't, I don't like them. They exist and they're there and they serve a purpose, sure. but I don't like them being in my business. And Mm -hmm. so that means like I don't want an income tax, but I also don't want them to tell me that I can't marry another man. And I also don't want them to tell me that I can't get an abortion. And I also don't want them to tell me that I can't smoke weed. And I also don't want them to tell me that I can't – like whatever it is. So it's like the consistent – there's a lack of consistency in the way that Republicans tackle social issues that I find super ironic because it's like you can't have my gun and I hate – You know taxes, but you can't get an abortion, and you can't marry this man if you're a man. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, uh, you're you're contradicting yourself. It doesn't make any sense, you know. And so, to me, it was always like, well, the left is really the more should be in your mind, at least if you want to be, you're trying to be academic, should be more the totalitarian thing where it's like we want a we want a a socialist state or we want um some sort of uniform state where it's. You know, we, we work for the greater good, right? Um, and what you have is just a total jumbling of like of ideas, which is why I try to take things one at a time. Like I'm very Republican in my fiscal outlook. I don't even really believe in social programs in ter- you know, but I, I know that they exist and they and they have to continue to exist with people that paid into them. I just principally don't agree with them, right? Um, and I have a problem with you know government interaction with you know a lot of uh, a lot of like what we're doing on the state and local level, but at the same time. You have to be consistent. The Republican point of view should be pro choice. Right, right, right. You know what right, I mean? Right. The Republican position should be pro gay marriage. Right. But. But, like, they're not. And I'm like, well, I don't carry the party line because that's not important to me. These I have to take these things at a, at a case-by-case basis. Yeah. And my distrust of the federal government and their ineptitude, which is shown every fucking day of the week, you know, <laughs> tells me that they should be in as little of your business as humanly possible. Right. Yep. Um, and that has to go across the board even with the things that some evangelicals or whatever might be uncomfortable with. And that's why the Republicans are such a an unholy alliance of all sorts of random ass shit because – they say, well, the libertarians are just Democrats that want to, you know, that's want to smoke weed or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, that that might be true in a, in, a, in a sense, but but they're more. The libertarians are really what I feel like the heart of what Republicanism is. People right. forget that Progressivism started with the Republicans. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That was a Republican idea. That was a platform that McKinley and Teddy Roosevelt started mm-hmm. in protecting your national parks, right. in breaking up trusts, in regulating the markets, mm-hmm. and doing those kinds of things. And people have just because they don't know their history, and because the Republicans were stupid enough to let it all t- be taken away from them, that they forgot about that, mm-hmm. and it became more about political expediency during the Eisenhower years, and then when Nixon ran for the first time with the Southern strategy and all those kinds of things to pick off the Dixiecrats, that we su- the parties really did suddenly turn yeah. shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I want to fight for the for the heart of the party, and the heart of the party to me is small government and individual rights, and you have to look at things consistently through that lens. So that means. You can't tell people who they can marry, and you can't tell people what they can put in their bodies if that, even if that's a drug, and you can't tax people five different ways, and you can't do all these kinds of things. If they delivered a consistent message like that, if the Republicans were socially liberal, they'd win every election. I, I, I totally, I, yep. I absolutely believe that because I do believe that people do not believe in a socialist state in the United States we just don't have it in us, where it's not genetically part of our code. Right, right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's my opinion. You guys might not. Agree no, up, I, oh the, no, the funny no, thing I, is I, I agree, do agree. I can even as a Democrat, <laughs> right I, now, I, I agree
0: completely. That's true. I agree completely. So if, if I don't run and you run uh, Mr. Moriarty, you, you, you've you got my vote. So Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: I feel like the, the funny thing is, is that people often talk, and I've thought seriously, even though I would never really do it, i thought seriously about running for the House or something like that right. I think that would just be fun, a fun experience. Right. But politics is so dirty as well that – I wouldn't want to subject myself and my friends and my family <laughs> to all of the fucked up things they're going to find about about, right, about right. me and I'm not saying I did anything <laughs> bad but just like here's a picture of Colin with a bong and right. when he was 20 years old right. and here's you know this you know his parents got divorced and all this stuff it's like yeah. it's not about ideas it's not about you know it's about personal assassination mm-hmm, right. and all of these fucked up things that make politics so unsavory and that's the kind of shit I hate and that's why Citizens United is a great example where everyone's like well this is awful and this is awful I'm like it's only awful because you don't care about politics and you're apathetic. If everyone cared and was engaged about ideas, right, right, then money, would, money and politics would not matter. Mm. And and I believe that in the bottom, you know, in my heart. But because it's all about sound bites and gotcha politics right. and all of these kinds of things and just fucking political assassination, which we even saw, you know, unfortunately with someone who I don't really like very much, like Sarah Palin. Right. I thought she, the way she was treated was fucking reprehensible. Mm. Um, mm. you know, I don't have any love for Sarah Palin, but I really feel like. It was about her pregnant daughter and all these sure. kinds of things, and you know she's from Alaska and they're weird right. and all this kind of stuff. Is it, what is she saying? You could just attack her based on, that. <laughs> on yeah. what yeah. she's saying, yeah. yeah, right? Right. right? Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's, exactly. I don't know. Like I just feel like politics is a dirty game right, right. now, and and um, we have to try to pull it back towards some sanity because the one thing I do believe in is that most of us want the same shit. We want a free society that that works for the middle class. Yep. That's about family. That's about what's right. That's about law, you know, not being lawless, but, but not incarcerating everyone either. Right. That that gives people a second chance. That keeps as much money in their pocket as possible, so we can invigorate the the economy and all those kinds of things. I really do believe we all want the same thing. But when you have little sound bites like "women full of binders" right. or uh, <laughs> "the war on women" right. or what Donald Trump's stupid shit that he's saying on the on the you know right, on the about border, the everything that divides us. Mm-hmm you know then we get another election just like the last election just like this election is going to be right. where it's going to be 5347 or right. something like that and everyone's going to hate each other and it's going to be you know a very territorial thing just like it is now where the south hates everyone right. and the northeast hates everyone <laughs> and california hates everyone and right we have to get back to fucking brass tacks
2: you know what i mean i mean mm-hmm. I hate the fact that I'm fucking agreeing with 90 percent of the shit that you said. God damn it! This is not the way ah, that this is supposed to go. And
0: our powers combined, this is not um, the way this
2: show was supposed to go. <laughs> so we were supposed to fight.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you, Colin, so much for being on here. Um, so <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. So we, you know, we talk about politics, and we and we love it. It's our dirty little secret. Um, you know, every Sunday morning, I just yell at the TV. It's amazing. Um, Aren't the Sunday shows the best? The Sunday shows are the best. They, 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 they are. They are the
2: fucking yeah. best. Yeah. Is McLaughlin still on? Uh, yeah, yeah, I love. I love. Uh, I, love I watch
1: McLaughlin. it on. I watch it on Real Clear Politics because it's on. Technically, it's on like they record it on like Thursday, so you can watch it on like Friday morning. Oh, nice. You know? yeah. um, and I gotta say, dude, like I love the. the, the this is so nerdy. Even your, your, a lot of your listeners are probably like, "Shut the fuck up already." But the. <laughs> Uh, the dynamic between Pat Buchanan, who I have a lot of respect for, sure. even though he says and has said and done some really weird shit, he's very <laughs> smart. And Eleanor Clift, who I also think is extremely smart, I love their interplay. I almost feel like they should get married or something it's, like that. This, <laughs> there's this
2: weird tension yeah. between them. It's been there for decades. Yeah, it's, it's been so weird, for right? Decades. I don't. I don't know about. I don't know about Pat. And Pat may be smart, but he has he has a little. He has some stuff in there that I'm like, hey, you need to calm that down. That was a little bit racist, Pat. You need to calm that down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he comes – and he hails from the Nixon administration, which is just a fascinating administration. But he even said it on The Last McGawker Group, which was so funny, where they were talking about um, getting rid of the felony box like when you apply, which I think is a great idea. In other words, saying like, have you been convicted of felony? Like, none of your fucking business. Um, Like, are you going to rehabilitate me or not? Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he was saying – he was like, there was like 16 of us in the the Nixon White House that were felons. And I was like, (laughs) that's – First of all, you're just saying that, like, off the cuff. Right. And second of all, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does.
0: It does. It does. So, you know what else makes a lot of sense is for us to talk about video games. And more importantly, sure. let's talk about... Um, if we have to. Your, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, you know.
2: I know, right? It's, it's like I can talk about policy. Um, I swear we should have a, pol- a political show on this side. Oh, the side you, the so, so, so uh,
0: seriously, honestly, one of one of... If I could put something on my bucket list. It would be to hang out with Colin and Adam Sessler on a, on a Sunday morning and just watch the, watch the beltway shows uh, with the two of you. I would would love that.
1: You're well, you you know what? Next time you're in San Francisco, let me know. We'll sit in the living room over here and we'll watch, uh, we'll watch meet the press and face the nation and all these things. Right. right? We'll We'll even watch, we'll even watch, we'll even watch uh, the Fox one. Oh, nice. Uh, Oh, hell. uh, The (laughs) the red eye one.
2: (laughs) I, yeah with Chris just makes these goddamn faces man he makes these <laughs> faces that just piss me off Fox News he's a weird dude he's a weird <laughs> because the weird dude. thing but, uh, is but- like he's trying to play straight he's trying to play the straight version of it and it's not working but no. uh who is it that just that, that, that's the guy who's like doing that now who's like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the Republican person on this on this channel who's like kind of reasonable
1: Oh, Brett Bear? Brett,
2: Brett no, it's the it's the other guy. It's another dude. Rick Hume. Sh- um, he was a, he had his own show, and they had the huge ass televisions. Oh, Shepard. Shepard Smith. Smith. Shepard yeah. Smith, who's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this place in from the from the inside out and fuck everything up. <laughs> <Yeah, out."> right. <laughs> which, which is which is kind of great. It's nice because you can see he's getting emails from Rupert, and he's like, Yo, stop doing that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure Roger Ailes is, is thrilled. Oh, he's he's, he's uh, like yeah. yeah. He's like, I love you, Shepard, but I'm got to get you to hell off the air
0: so yeah so um you know i know uh people have been sitting around for two weeks and they're like what the fuck i love the politics on the show but this shit is going left with, or right as it were um so mitt romney got robbed right.
2: <laughs>
0: uh... hashtag mitt romney got robbed don't th- um
2: i think i think we just found the name of this show. This, show, this right? the show episode. Mitt
0: so I, I will say before i before i go in any further um, I would say that uh, somewhere Sir, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is excited because Holmes and Moriarty have been reunited. Um, Here we are. Uh, that's a literary joke for all of you people out there in Bricago. Um Books. But, <laughs> books. <laughs> I ran out of space but, uh, on my Kindle. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, you know, back to you, Colin. And, and, you know, we just spent some time showing why even though the reason that we know you is 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 games that that, that there's a facet or, or many facets of you that really are engaging and compelling um, but but oh, thank you oh no problem man you know thank you um, the so we you know we know you about game we know you from games you graduated from Northeastern with a history degree um, and you immediately went on to get your master's um, and or started teaching high school in history, right?
1: No, it was it, so. <laughs> when I there, this is a longer and, and more this is a comp. It's not that complicated. Uh, I graduated Northeastern with my BA, right. and this was in 2007. And I was going to start matriculating into the master's program there because sure. um, I hadn't taken my GREs yet. Okay, um, but you could start like pe- you could start peeling off your classes because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or if I wanted to stay in Boston. And ultimately. I was somewhat attached to Northeastern and my friends there and um, and all this. So, And Northeastern's a five-year school because we have a, a year called the Midler year. I don't know if you know anything about that. Yeah. So it goes freshman, sophomore, midler, junior, and senior. And it's because there's a thing called a co-op, um, oh, which okay. is what Northeastern's famous for, uh, um, where you basically get put into a job, right. and then for a year you just do a job and you come back. And that's why people from Northeastern get jobs, I think, more easily than a lot of people because they just know people in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so – uh, I had planned on doing that and I was talking to one of my professors that I loved very much that I took um, a Soviet era class with and a Russian class with and he was my capstone advisor and my capstone was on the Dahlgren affair in case anyone wants to get really nerdy which <laughs> oh was my a God, that's about super nerdy. A, a plan it's about it's an 1865 raid on Richmond uh, by the Union right. by a guy named Ulrich Dahlgren who right. was who had he was killed. in his boots was a letter apparently from Abraham Lincoln that he was charged with killing Jefferson Davis um, assassinating him. And uh, the whole thing is like, did it really happen? Is it real? Whatever. So we, I got really close to this guy because I'll never forget when I turned in my first draft, of my capstone. Uh, it was just the intro. It was like fifteen or twenty pages, so it was nothing where it needed to be. And he just put red X's over every page, <laughs> and was just like, and he was like, "Do it again." Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "All right." Uh, so I, I got really close to him, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed him, and I was going and we were talking about should I TA for you and all these kinds of things. And while these conversations were going on, so I was about to begin my graduate. Course courses in a couple of months uh, at uh, IGN, who I'd been freelancing for for several years, and I was a, an intern there actually for a little while. Uh, offered me a job. Uh, I didn't even apply for it. They offered it to me. Huh. Um, They're like, we know you just graduated. Uh, our, you know, this guy who who's named Jason is going to Capcom. Uh, do you want his position? Um, and I was like, absolutely. Um, and this was in earlier mid June, and, and by mid July, I, I had lived in San Francisco, so I, I had left school. Wow. I had, I'd abandoned all those dreams wow. um, to go in this direction. Um, making me the least educated person in my family uh wow. but uh yeah. but um I'm not I'm not sad I did it because now eight years later um you know I own this business now and stuff like that and it's great but I often wonder what would have happened if I had stuck to that because I lo- I love video games very much mm-hmm. and, and like I, and I've, I've always loved them but I love history even more mm-hmm. um and I always will and I always have and and uh I, I'm I'm often curious what would have happened if I stuck the course but I'm glad that I didn't because you know I had somewhat of a, a weird 20s, and, and it was a, it was a good way to spend my 20s uh, yeah. to you know work yeah. at IGN yeah. and, and write about video games and do all that. So that's basically what ended up happening. So my my ultimate goal was to be a professor, um, get a PhD. I worked at Mass Historical Society for a while, the oldest historical society in the United States, um, on this project as an intern, and uh, I just fell in love with being in that environment, sure. being around precious documents right. and um, transcribing things right. and going into the archives and. Um, but I had to walk away from it because when you get a, a job offer from someone like IGN, it's like you can't. That's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. I can always go back to school, although yeah. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh,
0: you know, so many of us, um, gra- you know, got our foray into online video gaming in terms of, our, you know, our news, our news source has been IGN. Um, and and you know for those of us who are who are listening and, and have kind of aspired to be uh you know somewhere in the in in the industry and, and of some sort um, always felt like the place to be was ign uh was it was it that you know I, I i'm sure it was exhausting at times but was it everything that you thought it would would be
1: yeah I think even more i mean I, i'm really thankful for my experience there i think that I learned a lot there. I, I came up through the ranks from intern, to freelancer, to associate editor, to editor, the senior editor, um, where I was the most senior, you know, non-executive there um, in the editorials pool. And uh, I, I'm so honored that they they saw something in me and, and and helped mature my skills and teach me what was right and teach me what was wrong in that field. Um, and I owe a great deal to a lot of people there, and, and I'll never forget. Uh, I'll forget that. But there came a time where. I just didn't want to really do it anymore and, right. and and it's a weird it's weird for people to try to identify with that because it's like how could you ever leave a job like that and I'm like I understand what you mean but when you do it and you're in the trenches and you do it for many years um, sometimes you need to change or sometimes you just want a little more control over your own destiny and right. um, so that's what we were ultimately all about and I also think that the landscape is very much changing and we at kind of funny kind of identified that, you know, we need to get into the YouTube and do video and become personalities because that's what it's about. As as much as I'll always identify first as a writer, it's just not the future. Right. And right. and um if you want to remain relevant and you want to be able to talk authoritatively to people and, and be a personality, then you have to do those things. You have to dedicate yourself to it. So working at IGN was a blessing. And I'll never forget it. I often kid around about how my name on, on PSN is Moriarty IGN. <laughs> I can't change it. Right. Right. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. PSN sucks. But, I'm, but I have no problem with it being that way either, because it's like, that is my legacy. And my, my, uh, my part of my genetics will always be in that website. And part of that website will always be in my genes. Well, so, yeah. um, so I have nothing but love for those guys. And, um, you know wish them the very best but we had to do what we had to do to kind of move on yeah do do you do you miss the writing aspect of it at all yeah I do I mean I I I, it's weird not to write I was just explaining to Jared um, Petty who came over yesterday to do Colin and Greg with us nice we went out to lunch and uh, I was like this is the longest I've gone without writing something substantive in probably 20 years wow Um, because even when I was a kid I would write like you know just whatever the fuck I was writing but I was I was trying you know whatever was fiction or nonfiction or whatever I was always just trying to do something and uh, I I just I don't have the ability to do that right now because I don't have time but at the same time I have all these ideas where like my I'm, I love reading nonfiction especially and, and writing nonfiction mm-hmm. like I was at IGM, but it's funny the longer I go without writing the more these ideas for fiction pop up in my mind and I think that what might be happening is that I'm actually entering like another phase in my own writing career where I might actually just start writing like you know fucking tom clancy techno thrillers or something like that i'm so, <laughs> gonna be you're gonna you know. be
0: like charles Arnette.
1: yeah exactly yeah that's exactly right charles charles has chops huh like he yeah um i see him like once a month we we go out drinking and, nice. and i'm always impressed that he that he finds the time because i just can't find it you know so but i think part of it is just that um, not looking in the right places if that makes any sense right. I, I, you have to you have to make sacrifices and mm-hmm. i don't want to make sacrifices and in, in, in terms of my time i need my documentary time i need my mm-hmm. video game time right. i need my music time music's a huge part of my life too so sure. it's you know i don't like just put music on in the background and listen to it typically i like to just sit there and listen to it oh and, yeah uh, okay. that takes that takes time you know yeah. so yeah. i don't know i mean that's a long-winded answer to your question. well we know we, we know that you're
0: a hip-hop
2: head too so we we know i am i'm a huge hip-hop head oh head yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah, yeah we know know yeah
0: we yeah we, we've got something we've got something special for you um And uh, yeah, so um, before before we get to that, um, I kind of want to talk really quickly about um, your time. You know, podcast beyond was was something that you joined uh, pretty early on. Uh, I know that Greg Greg was Greg started or was one Mm -hmm. of the first people on on the show. And then and then you jumped in. Uh, How long were you on podcast beyond?
1: Uh, I came, my first episode was, as a regular, it was 98. Okay. Um, and they just so I went form. from episode 98 to 381. Wow. Wow. As wow. a co host. Yeah. Shit. Wow Wow, that just so yeah, me, ninety-eight. We hurt. still
0: haven't even gotten to ninety-eight yet. So, <laughs> so there's still there's still time for you to join uh, the Spawn on Me podcast as our third. Fair enough. Yeah. Well,
1: with all that political talk, you kind of have my interest peak. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, like it always. That's what I said in, in, in episode three eighty one. And I don't know if you guys listened to it. when yeah, like, I was crying did. like a I baby. Did. Yeah, I did. Was was that the time seems glacial. In the moment, but right. when you look back on it, it's like, damn, we did that podcast forever, and I'm, I'm super proud of that podcast. I always feel like, you know, I'm glad the guys are continuing it. I wish them the very best. I don't really listen to it, um, right. but it seems like people enjoy it. But I always feel like the golden era will be when we did it, and yeah. um, and I'm proud of that. I'm yeah. proud that we have this lasting legacy, this right. name like beyond. Right. this People still say it to us, right? Um, forever, they and to say it to you. yeah, forever, and and that's totally yeah. great. You know, I, I think that we had something special with that podcast. And right. It's how Greg and I became. You know really close we just greg and i just celebrated our eighth anniversary oh um, we 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 met july 14th 2007 so we we went and uh got really trashed um, nice and had dinner and all these kinds of things and had a good time so it was how greg and i really really gained our closeness and i think that that is um so essential and so key and pivotal to like my own career that you know i can't be podcast igm was very important podcast beyond i think in terms of who I am to people right. um was even maybe more important hmm. so absolutely yeah. I
0: think uh Kai and I uh our anniversary is November fifteenth twenty thirteen um and just just an aside, I'm sure everyone Chicagogan's heard this story uh we st- still have yet to meet in person
2: uh, oh wow yeah
0: and uh but but you know much the same much the same way is uh you know we were we were writing together before we started the podcast. Um, but but doing the podcast, obviously, you know, because we don't we don't actually get the chance to press press uh, to press the flesh. Um, the, you know, doing the doing the podcast has really gotten us closer together. And, and, you know, I feel like, you know, he's my brother. He's my hetero life mate. You know, much, much the same way that
2: that Greg is Greg is to you. Fair enough. Um, I can relate. yep. Yeah. The funny and, thing uh, is, this would have never happened if you would have told me he was a Republican from the first show. I didn't, right, right. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't learn that until, like, almost a year in. And I was like, what? Right. There's an actual right. part in one of the shows. I was like, wait, you're a Republican? What? Oh yeah, fuck? that's
0: right. That's right. We never talked about it. It was so that, funny that until is, that, when that, that day. Is, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I was able to infiltrate, successfully that's, infiltrate. is some um, bullshit. So I, I will just say that uh, really quickly, and I, I, I kind of want to, you know, get you to the point where you transition to kind of funny games. But I, I want to say that one of my favorite moments of Podcast Beyond uh, is a what?
1: Oh, the PSN. Yeah, the PSN
0: is back, and uh, you guys came in and you were drunk and and uh, you called a bunch of people, and uh, and and they were even more inebriated. It yes. was it was it was <laughs> fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of drunken stoned individuals on that yes. show. I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was a funny episode. I, I I've said before. I don't know where I said it. I don't know if I've said it publicly. Like that was the only, we never lost an episode of podcast beyond ever. Yeah. Mm. Which was amazing because that that just happens. You guys know it just it just sometimes it just happens and that fucking sucks.
3: Yeah,
1: that was the episode we almost lost. Wow, I'm so and I often think back like we would have lost out on Kelly and that whole story. Oh my gosh. if we didn't, if we lost that, like, because I remember, I remember when Greg was 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 mixing it down, uh, GarageBand started to crash, and like the MacBook was acting like really weird, and, like, and we're like,
3: fuck, <laughs> you know, and
1: and just sat there and like looked at it for ten minutes, and eventually like the wheel went away, and it continued. And I was like, jeez, like so that's how close we were to we had, that had never happened with any other episode, oh, right. um, my God. Wow. just wow. that one. And I felt like that was like such a special episode that I'm glad that that didn't happen. It's, it's so just all right, so,
0: yeah. So so this will be the last uh, question before our break and our, our special surprise to you. Um, But, uh, you know, so when in the process of Podcast Beyond did did you guys start kind of funny? I know that, you you know, uh, Greg had started his Game Over Greggy YouTube channel and you had the conversations with Colin and the Oreo orations and, and, you know, all those goofy things. But when did Kind of Funny become a thing, the Game Over Greggy show uh, in within within the timeline of, of you guys at IGN?
1: So, I think Greg came back to VidCon in. God, when was it? It must have been 2012. And so that was around this time, three years ago. And uh was like, we should do, you know, he, he, like, it was like he saw, you know, Jesus Christ himself or something like that. Which is <laughs> I, never, I never. Greg is very even tempered and metered a lot of the time, like which is surprising to people because he's very loud and, right. you know, fucking Greg like on, <laughs> on camera. But he's really not like that in person. And, right. and, uh, he came back and he was like really inspired. He's like, "I have this idea. I want to do a show about you." And I was like, uh, "Okay." And we, um, you know, so co- you know, sometimes Colin says crazy things or whatever for for a conversation with Colin. And We started doing that. This was under the game over Greggy Banner. But then we kind of funny wasn't founded until September 2014. Hmm. So not even a year ago. Wow. And uh, we rebranded and launched the Patreon. And we did that because we were like, it's not so much about Greg anymore, and um, we should make this business official and all own a piece right. of it. And it was after that that we um, we saw the, the the money and were like, okay, could we really like it started the wheel spinning, like could we just do this? And uh, the answer was yes. Um, so yeah, but it was, it's so funny because I feel like I've been doing this for like ten fucking years, but I've really been doing it for like six months, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, as full time job, and so it's it's not been that long. So that's basically the evolution with just conversation with Colin and Oreo oration and Gregway. And then Game Over Reggie Show started. I think that we're we just did like our eighty something episode, I think. So not even not even two years because we really don't miss a week. So right. um it's younger than it seems. Mm-hmm. Right. Um but uh it's all been working out uh wonderfully
2: nonetheless. Awesome. Right. Well awesome.
0: um you know what else work, works out wonderfully for us are music breaks, right, Ka?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think we should should roll up into that.
0: Yeah, I think we should. So uh we're going to go into our music break. This is episode 71 of the Spawn on Me podcast. I am Cicero Holmes. That guy over there is Khalif Adams. And our great guest is the one and only Colin Moriarty. And we will be back right after this. <laughs>
3: One, two, one, two, two. We dedicate this one to the hip-hop culture, y'all Brought to you by the
2: world Staple tales, them scenes get to live staple. Project killer hell, stepped on the map like the compass. Take this war play tongue twist piercing holes in you. You can't escape. Seventy thousand kilowatts blast for your blocks. Walk with a long
0: box. Cars driving slow down the block. One stop parks, pops truck. trunk. Stair pops
1: loud as block shots. Face like a grenade in your face. Com stop, give a citation.
2: report for radio station identification. Wake up, wake, wake up, wake up.
1: Wake up. up, wake up. Wake up. When I
0: woke up, I grabbed the mic and never choked up. Busted a verse and all the G's and Cali loped up when I was summoned, Styles were mixed like the kill Killer clown is coming, look around your town, it's crumbling. This big tech from the Midwest, leaving MC's lit less. On the wake-up show, wake up, no. Stories about my shake-up flow put me up in a cypher. Partner, you came off with the sniper. Your flow's premature, clean your dirty diaper, Mike Iced up. Psycho, alpha, schizo, hip, no got flow guru, and ain't
1: nobody tighter. Sway your tech hurt me flow when it's sealed. Now I got Swedish women yelling. T- Build. This place is my house. I might as well erase my face with whiteout. Cause y'all can't see me like Maker's eyebrows. Where you Climbed out of a nice house through the front window and heard this guy shout. Hey, Pull a nine out during the rhyme bout while I'm ripping the shit. Pull a clip and the spit five rounds. The murder you hoes worse than a convertible. Flipping vertical nose first with the top off, landing upside down. Tied down and duct tape. Fuck rave. I'd rather just hump a slut's leg with my nut shade. It's swaying tech. Two disc jockeys breaking so many
0: freaking needles. I wonder if they inject. Know and behold. Better than platinum and gold. Yes, God bless success. Never forsake your soul. Exhibit, take control. Lock loaded and ready to roll. Play the upper hand. The man is never going to fold. Cause your paint sucks. Find a new hobby that you can take up. Or listen to my niggas check the sway so you can wake up. The x man catch me doing drills in the danger room. Big game hunting from high noon to for, the full moon. for synonyms, I get an adrenaline rush from minimum brush, but multiple assaults and small interludes. It's hard as far as call off was. When I cut your neck, leave a little piece of skin so the head won't fall off. Hold on, sword off, shotgun blast. He asked, Why did he have to die like cast metal? Oh, oh. <laughs> see? see now like with more cruddle, we pull pedal at a high resolution on the wake up show. Sure it's way
1: second DJ Revolution. Revolution, revolution, revolution. I sway the tech with the tech, it's sway. Step away, wet the spray. Rep to say, "Who
0: over that?" The pagan swept away across the whole board like checker plate, When I blaze, your whole sector raise, Wake up show for those who slept away. Niggas that met the trade hit the deck of pray. DJ Revolution spinning like lead from out the heck of K tearing your neck away. Flood up the street with blood we decorate until they had take a vacation. What you don't I can give a ticket for what yeah, you're going to
1: do with it. I can give a ticket for what? Gino make the world go round. Fucking up entire record companies like Horel, did the Motown. Vomit is poison pen. i this walk with flow, and I destroy you with this time. The most common thought, The drama that sport caught us in the midst of a sibling rivalry. For instance, there was nothing born in existence that could survive with me. clone me like sheep, I clean house like Holy Randall. For style foul, for sexual harassment like Tisha Campbell. You act like Will Smith, the rhyme solid, pansy. I fucking murder your young style like John Bernay, Ramsey. Now who the master the bay? The demo get passed on a rag. You shouldn't have been signed if you had a White cast on your leg I wake up show reppin' With swayin' tech My tech's like tech And the industry weapon I'm Gino X Bring KRS in. One with the go I rock
0: upon the little and setting up on the biggest set and as the it gets I still manage to wiggle your neck with sweat never forget the biggest the budget the biggest a debt you gotta be willing to rock in the middle of dry in the middle of wet but I'm willing to bet on a slave attack welcome to back bet. to the spawn on new podcast this is episode 71 again Colin Moriarty here Stubby Stan is here that's me and Collie fatms our great captain is here uh I hope you guys enjoyed that music track. Um, that was, uh... Alright, let me get ready for this. The song was called The Anthem. And, as you heard, there were lots of people on that record. Um, so The RZA was on that record. Tech Nine's on that record. Eminem's on that record. Exhibit, Farrow Cool G Rap, Chino XL, and the greatest of all time, uh, the teacher himself, KRS-One. Um, the reason that I picked that song... Is is multifaceted. First off, our great guest, Colin, one of his favorite artists, if I remember correctly, if I, if my research doesn't fail me, is the one and only Tech Nine. Is that correct, sir?
1: That's that it is it's, that's Greg's actually one of Greg's favorite is not Uh-oh. mine.
0: Oh, oh Oh <laughs> man, my research has failed me.
1: Oh, I am fucking terrible. See? Not that I have I don't have a problem with Tech Nine at okay. all, but but to be I fair, know. no, I, I don't want to take credit for that because that's he's a, he's Kansas City, right? Yeah, uh, Tech yeah, Nine, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's that that's a Damon Hatfield joint yeah. specifically. Ah, oh, uh, there
0: you go. Well, there you go. Shout out to Damon Hatfield. There you go. Right. I have no problem with Tech Nine. I think we just
1: saw him like not too long ago, like right. a month or so ago.
0: Oh, cool, so, Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, but really? yeah, so huh. so the, awesome. so again, so multifaceted. I fucked up. Um, you know, Mark the There's joke. other
1: other of my favorites are on there. I love <laughs> I love Riz, I just I I just, <laughs> right. well, I'm just saying, I love I love Wu Tang. I love Don't you man, don't you bail course. him out? Faro I discovered out. when I was in high school. I don't know if you guys remember this uh, it was there was a sh- an ESPN show called The Life. Yes. yes. And the commercial for it was a Faro Monch song. Yes. And yes. I was like, this is a fantastic what is this song? And I went on like, you know, whatever oh, yeah. it was Napster at the time. Created right. at Northeast University.
3: Yes. And
1: uh <laughs> And I, I downloaded it. I'm like this guy this guy's fantastic so <laughs> I'm gonna bail you out there because there are a few other people I love on there and of course I I'll have infinite love for Wu Tang for the rest of my life so there that was go. a very
2: democratic thing for you to do <laughs> no, to not, bail not. somebody <laughs> Um <laughs> nicely done <right. laughs> coming over to my side I so yeah
0: that. so we so we played we played the entire record for you um, again part of the reason was because. Uh, you know I erroneously believe that tech nine was one of Colin's favorite artists but also um, the fact that it it did contain so many of of our of Chicago's favorite artists on on one album at the same time and it's a great record so uh, so that was that was for for Bricago, for for everyone for all time so um, I hope you enjoyed yeah, it
2: yeah uh, so Yeah, go ahead, man. So so we last talked about uh, before the music break was kind of getting into the kind of funny, (laughs) kind of getting into the kind of funny conversation.
0: Ah, I see what you did there.
2: I tried. until (laughs) You talked about it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So so the transition has been pretty, pretty well received. It seems like everyone, uh, you know, I follow what you guys do. I'm in the Twitch streams with the the other thousands of people who tune into you to, to you every day. Um, how How's the reception been on your end? What have you guys been talking about internally as far as, you know, now that you've moved into the independent space, uh, you know, what's, what's been the conversation that you all have been having about everything that's been going on so far? I think that we're pretty shocked with the reception of, of everything because it, it, it's,
1: it's been a great honor for us to be able to do this and to be so heavily supported by our fans, both. It's literally supported by our fans. It's not just a passive kind of thing. I mean, we're getting a lot of money from our fans every month, and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, builds a lot of pressure, and and I think it's good pressure. I think this is why I wanted to use Patreon was because you, you, you get in and you get out. If you don't like the product, you know, you can get out. You can get out whenever you want. So it, it builds a lot of you know pressure in terms and good good kind of pressure, creative pressure, where we want to do the next great thing. We want to make the new show. We want you know a lot of people are really surprised by how much content we put out, and our own thing is like I don't feel like we're doing enough. So yeah, right. um so it's it's a totally unique world where everything lives or dies based on how you do. I don't not that I would blame anything on anyone when I was at IGN or anything like that, but IGN's a two hundred and fifty person company, right? So it's right. like, mm-hmm. oh, this didn't go right, this person can fix it, it's this guy's fault, the blah blah blah. Now like everything is on us. Everything. You know, the right, business, right. you know, dealing with the our lawyer and our accountant paying ourselves uh the technical fidelity or lack thereof, as I like to say on our <laughs> on our shows. Um <laughs> you know the content itself the stream and the pipeline of which how things come out and, and where they go and all those kinds of things everything everything is on us and right. it's a good kind of pressure though because it it keeps you it keeps me fucking active you know what i mean and right. that's that's both good and bad sometimes when you want some downtime but you can't shut this shit off but it's it's been a it's been a great blessing um, And people have been so kind and supportive to us and i really do feel and i don't know if you guys agree with this that the whole Negativity on the internet and how that's a that's that's just going to be there. I think it's contrived and I think it's false. I think sure. if you start to build something from the foundation as being positive, then right. it would be positive. And right. and when you and the one great thing that we're so comfortable doing and I love doing it. Well, I don't love doing it, but I love that we can do it. Is if someone's an asshole on the Twitch stream or someone's mean to us, we're just like we don't want you here. You right. know, like right. we don't. Right. I don't. Right. I don't need your business. I don't need every last click. I'd rather have ten percent less traffic. Right. And a more positive place that people feel welcome at. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said at the, at the end of the game, you know, we were talking about on the Game Over Greggy show, I don't know if you guys heard it, just a few weeks ago, where we were talking about what's the next uh, civil rights movement in the country, sure. right? Because, because the, the the gay rights movement has basically been a triumph, even though it mm-hmm. still slowly has to work its way through the states. Right. right. Gay marriage is kind of the, the ultimate thing that was going to happen. Um, and it's happened, and that's great. And I was like, I think the next fight is going to be the transgendered fight about transgendered acceptance. Mm-hmm. And to me... Uh, at the end of the show I'm like I just want everyone to know you're welcome here doesn't matter what your gender is you know what skin color is what your religion is what your political affiliation is you're welcome here if you're respectable and you're respectful and you have interesting things to say or you just want to sit back and listen and have a dialogue you're welcome with us no matter who you are and if you're if you don't fall into that group I don't care who you are if you're an asshole you know I don't want you here and we've been really comfortable saying that and I think it's working and, I, and, I, and that's one of the things that I'm really excited about is that our audience so expects a positive experience that they self-police themselves and they self-police the chat and they self-police all these things. Well, they'll drive people out too that are just not, not in that style. And I do believe that if the foundation is solid, that the house we build on it will be equally positive. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one of the really exciting things about it because, man, the comment sections on a lot of YouTube videos and all this kind of shit suck. On our videos, they don't. <laughs> they don't. People, they have, don't. Critis- people have criticism – and that's great. And it's not to say we're getting hundreds of thousands of views on our videos because we're not. Right. But our videos do 20, 30, 40, 50,000 views. Wow. And people have some criticisms about you know this that, and the other thing. And that's totally fine. And we would never censor anyone about that. That's not right. that's not in our interest. And, but you'll find very few assholes. And if they're assholes, they get called out. Yep. And right. Right. I think it's great. I, I, I hope that people... What we're doing isn't necessarily unique. There are a lot of YouTubers and a lot of you know Let's players and a lot of podcasters, and that's great. But I hope that if someone can take
2: something from what we're doing and emulate it, it's the way that you make a positive community. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I would I would agree. I think I think there's a, there's a part of that community aspect that I see has always kind of been there around the the content that that you all do, and it seems like it's even further pushed um, up a, a, and ramped up a level because of the separation that you guys have had to have made from IGN to your own outlet, but also the personalities that you have let kind of shine through each of you having your own very individual and very different personalities that have all kind of coalesced in this way that everyone can kind of latch on to whoever they, they, they really dig in, in the show. Um, I'm kind of happy that you just j- jumped into that kind of kind of the, part of the conversation because yeah. something that, that uh, Cicero and I were talking about prior was you know our show you know we talk about uh you know black issues all the time we're two black dudes who are trying to figure out the gaming space and how we and how we fit into it and also then spotlighting people of color and also talking about marginalized folks and, and politics and, and 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 all those things all wrapped up into one kind of show um there aren't a lot of other people doing that except for the couple of the episodes that, that you have had right. on your show that we really felt were um one, different, and two, appreciate it, or, or we appreciated it because it felt like in the position that you are all in, you don't have to delve into these really sensitive and kind of not controversial, but controversial topics. Um, you guys talked about Ferguson in one episode. Right. You guys talked about recently the Confederate flag. Um, I kind of want to talk about you know how those conversations come up internally within the, the group that you have. And also, we we just talked about the communities that we have. Um, Have you gotten any feedback from the communities about the episodes that you've done? Because especially yourself, one of the reasons why I dig what you do is you, you are very much a person who will say, hey, in Ferguson, this is what's happening to black people this is some shitty shitty in, in america
0: this is what's happening to black people right in, right this is what's <laughs> happening right
2: and you said you said it on a couple of episodes right. and i wanted to personally say you know on right. behalf of the show like we appreciate that as, right. as as black people in america who are like going through it it's nice to hear that in this space um and again you know i'll, I'll give the stage to you what, what, what the questions that i had out there for you in the beginning what do you what do you feel about those, co- those topics and, and how you guys are tackling those the the beauty about you know we,
1: we you said it where it was the four of us are just very different and we bring different kinds of things i think i think tim brings a lot of humor and a lot of kind of more youth to the podcast for instance i think nick brings a lot of you know film expertise and kind of just a technical prowess and a know-how i think greg kind of brings his gregarious sort of nature to everything although he has a very interesting serious side which i totally appreciate as well the beauty about our partnership together is that they've never tried to censor me, and I've, I've never brought up a topic where they were like, "We can't do that because it's going to annoy people." I know when I bring up Ferguson or gay marriage or the Confederate flag, I'm going to alienate people, sure. right? But, and I don't want I don't want to put this too curtly. It's like no, if, I'm gonna al- if I'm going <laughs> to alienate if I'm going to alienate you because you have a problem with gay marriage, then you can be alienated. Right. You know what I mean? Thanks. And um, and to me, it's it's. <laughs> You know, the black population of the United States has had it really fucking bad. You know what I mean? For a very long time. And you have right. to be fucking ignorant of history right. not to know that. And I am not ignorant of history. And, you know, hundreds of years of slavery, Jim Crow, Reconstruction, where it looked okay for a little while, then, you know, 14, 15, 16th Amendments, all that kind of stuff. Right. Then you have Jim Crow and segregation. Right. Then you have all like it never stops you know what I mean <laughs> right. and and I just don't I'm not gonna sit by passively and act like everything's okay because it's fucking not right. and you know maybe it's because I just grew up with uh, in a community that was very white and black maybe it was because I had a lot of black friends and I was just exposed to these kinds of things because so I was uh, Long Island uh, has a pretty substantial black population sure. and certainly in my school they we did too and I I, I learned. By watching, I learned by listening, and by by, you know, my my good friend Charles, who who does great things on Long Island now with some non for profits. He's a black kid that I was really good friends with in high school. We just we just met each other for the first time since we graduated high school actually, and had dinner together uh, when he was in San Francisco. And he and I used to cut class and play basketball together, and because <laughs> um, I love playing basketball. And you just get interesting perspectives when you just go outside of your bubble and. And you just, you just observe. You don't even have to ask right. questions. You just, right. just kind of have to observe the way people treat you when when you're, you know, when you're around you know, different kinds of people and this, that, and the other thing. And so I just try to use my pulpit, however small and insignificant it is, to say, you know, what happened in Ferguson, yeah, it's, unfor- like, it's unfortunate that all this shit happened. But what can we learn from the reaction of the community mm-hmm. that feels powerless, that feels like no one listens to them? Baltimore, I thought, was a really egregious thing. I thought Baltimore was, was really unfortunate. But again, what can you learn from the reaction, you know, by h- how people feel? And this shit just happening over and over again when a, when a, a, a police officer has his, has his kneecap on the back of a young black girl's neck right. outside of a pool party. You know, it's, there, there's, it's fucking infuriating to me yes. because I just, we can solve these problems if we just acknowledge them. You know, and right. and then and then try to work past them, but to pretend like everything's just fine because it's 2015. Well, well, I'm not that fucking stupid. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> You're right. so it, it's just are, is, are things getting better every day? Certainly. Are there counterproductive things that are happening? Are there people that make it worse? Sure. Right. Uh, is there opportunism on both sides? Sure. So right. because it's it's, a, cause it's, a, it's just a political game like any other game. Sure. But at the at, but in the middle of it is something that is fucking human. You know what I mean? And. We have to do something to solve it, you know, and, and so we can't just ignore it. Am I going to be able to solve it as a white man? Probably not. But I can do whatever I can to contribute to, to, to the cognizance of the issues and then kind of let society deal with them. You right. know? Yeah. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I mean, oh, that's kind of where oh, I
0: come Oh, what? So, so, so here is your urban colloquialism for the day. And <laughs> I will say, Colin Moriarty, this is why I fucks with you. Um, Because because the the passion and the matter of factness with which you just laid out your your soliloquy um, is was refreshing when I heard it uh, when you were talking about uh, Ferguson and it is uplifting for 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 at least for myself and you know and for, for those of us who who in in our space call ourselves social justice warriors as as we as we fight against you know as we fight for the inclusion and diversity and and you know just for notice and representation uh, through, throughout you know all aspects of of the world whether it be gaming or the the world in general and you know and just kind of fight for not being murdered or feel or even feeling like I'm being hunted um the 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 just the the way that you were able to just kind of put that out there is is so refreshing for me um uh because it it's rare as as unfortunate as it may be it's rare to have a white person with no skin in the game outside of being a citizen of this country who believes, who is a patriot, who believes in the, the foundation of the country and the tenets for, um, by which this country was, was formed. Um, it, it's amazing to have someone else, someone who doesn't necessarily have to say the things that we have been saying for, for decades and centuries. Um, right. Say it so matter of factly. So thank you you know from the bottom of my heart, man. Really, thank you for for saying that for saying, for yeah, telling the truth.
1: You're right. very welcome, and, I, and that's what it is, right? It's the truth. That, right. I mean, it's just it's just the fucking truth. And that's right. and if people don't want to hear the truth, then there's nothing I can do about that. I'm not right. I'm not going to say we're well, not talking about video games and is it good or it's bad. This is a human issue right. with with a with a history a, a chronicle of just one fucked up thing after the other. And at some point, <laughs> you know, we have to you know. We have to just come to terms with the fact that we have, as a society, it's not an implication of individuals. Right. We have, as right. a society, a systemic problem where it's mm. even a debate that the Confederate flag, for instance, is being right. flown outside the statehouse exactly. in the capital of South Carolina. Right. The Confederates were traitors, right. you know? Right. Like, I don't get it. Even if, you, even right. if you're even if you not in, into the whole racism thing and you don't want right. to – it's a state's <laughs> right issue if that's what you want to – whatever. Right. You know, like – as I said on the on the Confederate episode, everyone was in the states' rights. It was fucking eighteen sixty one. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it, it, right. Like everyone understood what the Tenth Amendment was in eighteen sixty one. It had nothing to do with that. It was about the preservation of an economic system that that emboldened itself and made itself profitable through slavery, which right. is why the southern economy collapsed after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So, it, it also collapsed because we fucking destroyed it. But, but the <laughs> but it right. collapsed because it was there was no workforce anymore. Sure. Right, and, and right, right. These are just Facts, you know what I mean, and it's not to say that you know people like Abraham Lincoln were. You know, Abraham Lincoln notoriously said that if he could end the war without freeing any slaves, he would have done that. Right. And it's right. to say that you have to, you have to. Every gray, every gray cloud has a silver lining. You have to, right. you have to kind of grasp onto those and figure out how we can make it less. The sky's less gray as we go on. Right. And when we have these things that divide us um, by something as, part, as as ridiculous as race, which means really nothing anymore except for the way it divides us, but not by the way it binds us. Then like. These are issues that we have to talk about, and I'm never gonna shy away from those fucking issues ever. I don't care who it bothers. You know what I mean? Like, and that's and that's the thing. I, I am all about equality. Right. And and it's the funda it's the fundamental aspect of, of liberty. Yes. You can't you can't, you know, justice is represented in 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 Greek and Roman, you know, in Greek and Roman and in the United States with a blindfold right, right wrapped right. around her eyes, so she doesn't she can't see. She holds the scales of justice. Right. And it's so fucked up to me that something that you can see is the way that we judge people. And not mm-hmm. by the, the, the content of their character and, the, and, and 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 their principles and their work ethic and their merit and their intelligence. These things have to matter. And right. if we're not going to – if people want to stay away from these things because they're divisive or they don't want to get in arguments, well, I don't give a fuck. You know, like it's, it's – it's it's not – we're not arguing about trivial things. We're arguing right. about people's lives. And so exactly. – right. And I want to be really clear. Like what happened in Ferguson – we're going to find out what happened in Ferguson in its totality, in terms of from you know from point A to point B, in terms of what this cop did and what these kids did and all these kinds of things. Right. That's not really what's at play to me. Right. What's at play to me is why did this happen and what 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 what, what told us about this reaction? A, a young man was killed for no reason. We all, we, we know that, right? right. But right. there's more to the story than that. The, what's more to the story is why did a community of people react in this way? And it's because no one fucking listens. Yep. You know. And that's why it happens, and we are going to find ourselves here over and over and over again until, until someone does something, you know. Right. And if so, I can contribute to that in just a little way. Then I'm going to do that. And if and if it means something, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And if it bothers some people or alienates some people, well, I, I think it's worth alienating people over over issues of liberty. And um, and that's kind of where I stand. You know, it's not even a, it's not even an issue of anything other than like being a human being. And that and that. And that transcends race. That goes to religion. That goes to, you know. Oh, there's there's so much anti-religion bigotry on both sides in this country right, too. With right. with there's a lot of anti-Christian, a lot of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of anti-Muslim, right. uh, and, you know, anti you know, anti-Semitic kind of feelings. We have to learn how to get along with each other. Right. You know, and I think we, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm on my
2: no board. no 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 no. I didn't mean to cut you off. You no, mind? let's go. Please no, please go. <laughs> so. so so I think, I think a couple of things. So I have two questions to ask you that bounce off of what you just said. But I guess the first part of that is, and I guess this is the, the easier question, is we talk a lot about where we want the country to go. We talk about where we see the country hopefully, hopefully getting to in our lifetime, which it more than likely won't if we're being honest about it. How much of this is because we placate the stupid and the ignorant? Yeah, yeah. Because that's my question. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a huge issue. I,
1: I think it's the it's the mentality of everyone gets a trophy, right? Like sure. it's the same and this is maybe where my conservatism comes out in some in some shade, because it's like we always talk about how in capitalism there's winners and losers. It has to be losers for there to be winners, right? It's the same right, thing right. it's the same thing in, in sports where you, you you can't all win. It's not possible. You know what I right, mean? Right. And right. I think there is a thing where I'm like, well, we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want to tell the truth, you know, right, and right, right. tell people that they're wrong about things. Guess what? The Earth isn't 6,000 years old. Guess what? Humans did cause and are causing global warming. Guess what? Like, these are facts. We evolved from apes and all these things. It's not <laughs> It's not up for debate. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, and, right. And, and, and there are certain things that... You're you're absolutely right. Where it's just like, well, let's give both you know both sides of the argument. It Reminds me of the Bill and I Ken Ham debate. I don't know if you guys saw it. Right. Oh my yes, god! Yeah, and and, was like, and it was like, and it was like, what the? F- I, I, I give a lot of credit to Bill Nye. I. have a lot of respect for him. He shouldn't have right. done that debate because what it did was right. give a lot of attention to a side that doesn't deserve equal weight. You know, exactly. and it's exactly. not a reflection on Ken Ham as a person because I'm sure Ken Ham's a, a fine person. It's a reflection on his ideas, mm-hmm. right. and it's not an academic debate. Evolution is right. not an academic debate. It's right. over. Right. right. You know what I mean? Right.
3: And, and, right. and
1: so I agree with you where, you know, people say, well, you know, racism's solved in the United States. Well, fucking clearly it isn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> clearly, I think that we have a young generation, a very young and very tolerant generation coming up. You know, yeah, our, I, I can our, agree with our that. generation and the generation behind us, it's going to get better. I really do believe sure. it will get better. Sure. But it's not better yet. No. And, and, Every step we take is a a step, uh, hopefully, of positivity to make things better. But we have to understand. I'm not one of these people that tries to like be like, you know, I'm not one of these people like, well, I'm privileged and I'm white and I'm straight and I'm male and all these kinds of things. But I am, and and I'm never going to quite understand what it's like to be a, a black man or a Muslim woman or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And so I can only empathize in the way that I know how. And and that's at least acknowledging that the problems exist. I tell this story sometimes. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast. I was in LA at E3 and we were staying near Skid Row. So it wasn't a very nice part of, the, part of town. And I was walking back to my Airbnb and there was this um, woman on the street. And she was, she was just a blonde girl, dressed nicely, going probably to the clubs, and I was walking right by her. And I just look at her and say, hey, and she and and we're just walking by each other and just kind of going our separate ways. And she walks into the street and around me.
2: Holy like shit. Like, it just keeps
1: going in a, in a certain direction. I didn't do anything to her, right? It was just like um, – I was just saying, hey, but I'm like, what was her experience right. that made her feel right. like she couldn't walk past me on the street at night? Right. You know right. what I mean? And – I was like that's the kind of example that I need to keep in my mind when I feel like everything's okay because my right. perspective is only limited, you know, mm-hmm. and even though that girl and I just walked past each other and out of our in and out of our lives like that, she walked around me because something in her past told her that she needed to do that,
2: and right. that's that, that to me was an illuminating experience, very illuminating experience. I heard a really interesting tweet from someone it's talking about race relations talking about because there's a there's an mtv show that just came out last night that was called this is on thursday we're taping this thursday so wednesday of, of last week um it was a show on mtv called white people and she's watching it oh. and the the she said something really profound and she said um black black people in america are taught about taught, taught things about race from a very early age and many white people most white people are only taught about race in when they become an adult and that to me was super profound because I, I, I remember having the conversation about what you can and can't do. What concepts do you have to kind of envelop it around yourself as like the blanket of safety to keep you safe on a daily basis. I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, I was like, do you understand? I went to the Wendy's or whatever, cause I was hungry shit. And I, I went there. It was like, it was like 10 o'clock at night and it was a young white woman walking in front of me. I, I, this white woman is about half my size, half my weight I walked across the street from her so I didn't scare her huh and that's the thing that is in my brain consistently and constantly of how can I make white people feel comfortable around me so that I don't set something off right right so that that I I don't put myself back in danger right right (laughs) And yeah, I'm like, it's, to it's have incredible. that conversation is, you know, to have you say what you said on those two shows, and and I'm sure you have these conversations with with people in your life, but also to know that that is a conversation that we as black people consistently have to to kind of bring up, and that it's not a discussion that's already being had in other circles. Right. Is is the thing that we always talk about. But uh, before before we get to to what you had to say, see, the second part know. of that co- part of that conversation I wanted yeah. to ask was, I appreciate the fact that you do this. We see with the climate, the the quote unquote political climate in gaming that a lot of folks don't talk about this when these things come up. Right. What do you think that that's a do you feel like that's a thing that's just like people feel it's too taboo? You know, people are just like, I don't want to I don't want to dig myself into this hole because there's no good way to come out of it. Because uh, I as a person I'm like, hey, I, I know that I'm affected by these things because I'm a citizen. I'm a person. I'm a human being. But it never seems to really come out, except for very small amounts of people who who talk about social justice issues or issues of race or or, or, or things like that. So, so, where do you where do you think that that is in the spectrum of like who we are as game journalists, game journalists, or and people in the gaming industry?
1: I think one of the reasons that people, especially in games, don't like talking about in a mainstream way talking about social issues, whether they're you know, we, we hear a lot about it with gay marriage, for instance, some with race and, and and female representation and all those kinds of things. But I think one of the things that's a turn off to a lot of people kind of just in the middle that are just kind of observing or don't fall into one of these these very stratified categories is they're they're afraid of getting involved in what I think is a very is turned into a very classical political argument where there is no middle ground and there's no fucking sanity in any of the conversations that are happening. And you get these two different groups of people that are just fucking screaming at each other and hate each other <laughs> right, and Right. And without any sort of solution. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the major things that turns people up, not only in games, but I think just in pol- to politics generally where they're like, oh, it's never – Greg's one of those people. Greg's a, a, a super fucking defeatist and a fatalist with this kind of stuff where he's like – it's never gonna change. It's always gonna be like this. And I'm talking about with politics, where he's like yeah, absolutely. they're not gonna change. Nothing's gonna change. Washington's gonna be Washington, these politicians are gonna fucking do whatever they want. They're they're the ruling class. And and I just don't feel like I feel like he's probably right. But I don't <laughs> feel right. like he's I don't feel like he's necessarily right. And the only way we can change that is to try, right? right. To try to have these conversations and to listen to like all sides of the argument because i i think that even the right the arguments on the side of um whatever it is social justice if you want to call it right. can be very extreme you know sure, sure. and absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know like i think that like when people when people see sexism for instance in everything everything right you know right, 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 um right. i'm like well i just don't agree with you you know or when right. people get offended by a joke i'm yeah. like Anything can be joked about. I don't care how offensive it is. Sometimes the most offensive jokes are the funniest. Oh, the funniest. Um, exactly. Thank you, sir. So it's like don't turn on a Comedy Central roast if you think that's fucking right. offensive because yeah. that shit makes me laugh because I'm like, that is so awful what you're saying. It's right. awful. Right. But it's funny. Right. We have to be right. able to laugh at ourselves too, right? We have to be yes. able to laugh at ourselves. That's an Absolutely. important thing. I, so maybe that's another salient point is that we take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. Mm-hmm. There has to be moments of like of levity and moments of laughter and moments of... Because that, that those are the things we were talking about. What unifies us before in the first part of the show, we were talking about. Right. Like, well, we all want a better life for our families. We all want economic success and a right. vibrant middle class and all these. Well, we also all want to laugh. Right. And we also all want to feel that good. That is so true. Yep. You know, so so there's like a lot of like militant militancy. I will, I'll say on like on on the side of like social justice, where it's like, don't make any jokes. Uh, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And I'm like, no, like, let's talk about the issues at hand and, and talk. And that's not alienate or isolate people, but rather make them feel like they're welcome. And I'm going to put a light on because I feel like I'm, you know, talking by firelight over here. So hold on. Just... Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. So,
0: uh, yeah, I mean.
1: Okay. Sorry. C- yeah.
0: So, so Colin, Colin is amazing. This much is, is self evident. Um, kind of funny and kind of funny games uh you guys you guys have just reached a milestone of sorts um because you just went through your first e3 yep and uh I, you know so i i want to i want to talk about two things the first is um how was your first e3 second is where do you guys see yourselves where do you where do you see this going um in you know in terms of the future
1: uh, first D three was very positive for us as kind of funny. That was my 93 three overall, so it, right. it was awesome to be able to I, like to kind of compare it to the way we used to do things um, and the way you kind of do things in a more traditional core media. Sure, um, I'll say and I told Greg this because I like to I like to give Greg prop. I, I make fun of Greg a lot, but it's it's, sure. it's mostly in jest. But <laughs> I used to make fun of Greg when he became a host at IGN that he didn't do anything anymore, and right. <laughs> and it was a joke on beyond where I'm like I'm the guy that does all the work and you're the idiot on the camera, right? Right, and. Frankly, that was born out of, like, some real feelings where I'm like, I'm just doing everything, and Greg is just able to go on camera and talk. And what I've realized as time has gone on now that I've become a pundit and kind of an on-camera host myself is that it's fucking exhausting. And what Greg was doing was really hard work. And I'll say that even though I didn't have to go uh, back to the war room or back to the hotel room and write like I used to at E3, I was exhausted at the end of every one of those days (laughs) because when you have to be on and you have to talk and engage and – and just and you're just you just it's just fucking shattering for ten or twelve hours a day, man. It's really tiring. So right. it was a unique experience, but it was so I was so tired by the end of that, and I and I I, I had a new and profound respect for those years. And I apologized to him like heart, heart, heartfelt apology. I'm like, nice. I know we joked about it, and I know that I was kind of just making fun of you, and you took it in stride. But I really am sorry that I felt like you kind of had, like hit the escape hatch and left me back in editorial <laughs> where I had to do all we the grinding go work, back. whatever. <laughs> so, so that was kind of what I walked away from was, I was like, it was, it was tough work, but I was, and it was awesome to be able to work with GameSpot. They're, they're really pretty great people over there and, nice. um, really understand what we're all about kind of the fusion of personalities and kind of the, um, you know, this the way, the way the internet works now, like what we're doing right now, where I'm guest host, you know, or I'm guesting, not guest hosting, but guesting on your podcast where it's, right. it's very collaborative. Um, right. There's a lot of synergy. I hate that fucking word, but there's a lot of synergy. (laughs) Buzzwords. Yeah, it's, it's almost like I was talking to my girlfriend before, and I'm like, I think I used the word burn rate. Uh, for the what? first time, in what? a serious way. What? And I'm like, damn, I'm like real Silicon Valley now.
3: What? <laughs>
1: oh so, shit!
0: You're gonna change the paradigm.
1: <laughs> the paradigm. Yeah, I was like, I, I mean, was talking how- about the, I was talking about our burn rate, and I'm like, well, did I just use the term burn rate? <laughs> oh
2: god, what Whatever. the hell's happening? I remember <laughs> I wrote, I rolled up on you and, um, I wrote up on you at E3 to ask you to be on the show, and you were like mid sandwich. And you had this look like, oh fuck, I'm tired. <laughs> you were so tired that day, and Nick was done. Nick was yeah, just oh, Nick was, was done, done before we even began. I think the the because
1: the Nick Nick and Tim don't get enough credit because like it's it, everyone knows who Greg and I are. Most people that sure. watch our shows kind of watch right. for that. They do a lot of you know. Tim is really like instrumental in, in selling our products and dealing with our salespeople and all those kinds of things, and working out when we have to sponsor. Like and, and Nick's really instrumental in the, kind of the organization, and the administration of the company. So. I feel bad for them sometimes because I don't think they get their due. Right. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they. I remember meeting you at, at e three and 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 you know I was happy to do the podcast because when I say I'm going to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um. And I li- and I like appearing on you know different podcasts and meeting different people and exposing myself to different uh, audiences and and etc. And so on. So you know it was, it was good to meet you. I'm I'm not worried about it. E three is a E a function of of high energy and a lot of just seeing people in passing and so you have to understand even when you're eating you're not really you know having lunch you're, just, <laughs> you're not really eating <laughs> you're, you're, you're just making
2: there, sure that your body still works yeah there is exactly no school right. so
1: it was totally fine i was i was i felt bad when i met a few people at E3 because i, I see i felt like i was coming off like i was in a bad mood but i think they understood that it was just the nature of what we were doing at the time right. and how and you know i, I think people understand us and, and we're very honest and open i think with the audience about what's bothering us or what's what the process is like for instance in terms of that so you know uh, it was you know I, I was ha- I was happy to meet all these different people at e3 for the first time and
2: and um, that's just the nature of the beast you know? Right. yeah I didn't know how it worked until I because this was the first e well this is my second e3 I went in 2005 and then came back as a person who was actually doing some work and I was like didn't know how to I didn't know how to kind of approach people because i'm'm I'm, I'm more of an introvert than most people know. Um, so walking up on people, I was like, well, wait a minute, I'm from New York. I can do this. I can just yeah. walk oh, up on yeah. people right. And, right. Just, and, and just right. get in their physical space and like make them uncomfortable. It was like, right. Hey, you want to do this thing? And then like, yeah, all right, cool. Right. What's the matter yeah. for you? <laughs> and, and I think,
1: I think what, I think what the, what a lot of people miss out on, at least this is the way I interpret it is that if you're, if you approach a person, if you approach me and you're, and you're normal and you're friendly and you just have something to say and you. You know, it's just, it goes a long way. You know what I mean? Like just be, just be outward and, and say what you need right. to say. And, and that's how I've met a lot of people, a lot of great people. You know, it, um, y- if you don't approach the people you want to talk to or do the things you want to do, you're never going to know what, what could have been said or could have been done. So it's, it's, exactly, oh, yeah. you know, and because exactly. I can relate to you, man. Like it's, it's, you know, I'm very introverted too. You know, it's why I didn't go to VidCon. I, I, I need a break from crowds every once in a while. And I feel like that's normal, but you have to, you have to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Absolutely right. See?
0: So so, what is the future of of kind of funny and kind of funny games? Where do you where do you see you guys? You know, is there are there anything any big things on the horizon, or do you have a, a six month, twelve month, eighteen month plan?
1: Um, the plan right now is to kind of you know stabilize our finances and kind of see where we are, and and mm-hmm. you know we really want to. Kevin's a contractor for us right now. We really like to make him a salaried employee and take okay. care of our own and. Right. Um, do those kinds of things, I think that the future is steady growth, but we don't want to be too big and we don't want to be too boldest, um, and unwieldy because I think that the, the minute we lose control of our audience and lose control of what we're doing and, and are able to lose that intimacy, is the, it kind of defeats the purpose of what we're doing to begin with. So
3: sure. the
1: idea isn't to become like a new IGN or a new right. GameSpot or whatever. It's to, it's to continue to be ourselves and slowly engender an audience of, of solid people that want what I think is solid, although silly sometimes, and very low-budget kind of (laughs) content. You know, so the future is kind of unwritten. I'm trying to... It's unusual for me because I don't often live in the moment. Um, I live very Mm. much in the future. I live in my head. That's. I mean, I think it's very clear to anyone that's listening to me. I'm just not a rolling-off-my-shoulders kind of guy. I'm (laughs) I'm very paranoid and concerned all the time. But I really am trying to soak this up because I know that it might not last forever and i i want to be able to have have enjoyed it while it lasted and i'm so honored and thrilled that people are giving us the opportunity to do these kinds right. of things because i know they don't have to and right. and i don't want to let them down you know what i mean i really nice. don't want to let them down and uh so that's one of the things i carry with me every day is just whatever the future is are the people that are with us happy that's that's the question i ask myself every day and if they're not i want to nice. hear from them you know
0: nice yeah. nice yeah.
1: um so
0: i th- i think we we have there's not a lot of news um but we do have a little bit of news and before we get to that news um we were we were gone for a week and we would be remiss if we didn't say rest in peace to uh to Iwata-san um right you know it, so you know if for for those of you who who may have missed it uh I'm going to mess up his first name Siguro Satoru. Uh, Iwata uh, Satoru Iwata mm-hmm. yeah he 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 uh, lost his his fight with he had a cancer that was like a, it was like a bile cancer, uh, pretty pretty rare and and he lost his battle with that and and uh, he died last week, um, or two weeks ago as as you guys are listening to this. He's the you know CEO of of uh, Nintendo and and the the first CEO that wasn't part of. The Nintendo, uh, the original family from Nintendo. Um, so, so, you know, rest in peace. And, you know, he oversaw a lot of great things and and really kind of kind of brought Nintendo into the the digital age. Um, So his loss is is definitely affected. I was I even as a less even less of as less of a Nintendo fan as I am today, as I had been in the past. um, It was, you know, it was definitely a loss that that affected me um, and, you know, in a a great way. Um, So. So, yeah, definitely rest in peace. Um, But, yeah, let's let's get on to our news. Uh, We're not going to break it down this week. Um, Maybe we'll break break it down down, next week. Yeah, maybe we'll break it down next week. But uh, let's talk about our news. So Kyle, you want to uh, run into it?
2: Yeah. So there was a really interesting story that popped up on Polygon this week. Um, and it was talking about how they're going to start drug testing folks in esports competitions. competitions. Um, it was, I guess it came to light that um, one of the folks who I have, let's, let's double check and make sure so I don't mess that up. Uh, someone in the ESL um, right. who was symphis Symphus, Symphus. That's who it was. Right. He's a um, he's a pro. He's a pro CS Counter Strike player. Yeah. yeah. Um, he basically got caught saying on camera that during one of the big competitions he was using Adderall to keep himself kind of going. The whole team. Uh, the whole, whole team, team basically was on Adderall. Team, Most yeah. people in the competition the period was on Adderall to kind of keep themselves going. Because if you've played CS, you know it's super twitchy. It's one of those things you have to really be paying attention and you have to have all your faculties together uh, to, to stay at that high kind of level. And, um, yeah, he basically said in a video interview, he was like, yeah, he was like, everybody was on Adderall. We were all doing it. He's like, I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> we were all on it. Right. Um, listen
0: to the comms.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen to the comms. I sounded like I was on some stuff. Um, and it brings up some kind of really interesting conversations about, you know, one, PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, and being in something that we wouldn't really think it would be in. You know, eSports is so new that who would have thought that keeping yourself up on Adderall would have been the thing? I would have thought if you were looking at performance enhancing drugs, you would you would run over to Red Bull and get them first. Uh you're saying you know what what are you what's taurine what the fuck is taurine anyway (laughs) (laughs) so so i kind of want to go around the table and say you know what what do you think about this being a new aspect of both the esports kind of community we don't know how many people are indulging in it but the fact that they kind of figured out that this is happening and now they're going to try to crack down on it um colin I'll, i'll go to you first on this one my my first
1: instinct when I heard the story, to be perfectly honest, when I would talk about a and Greg Live, I was like, this is the nerdiest thing I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> after, after that I was like, uh there's something kind of brilliant about it because unlike, you know, uh, I'm a huge sports fan and I don't I don't know if you guys are are, are into football or anything like that. J E T S. Yes, yes, yes. So it's it's <laughs> This is a problem that the MLB and the NFL and even the NHL and NBA have been dealing with for a long time in and, and, and various ways. I mean, it went, yeah. the government has involved itself in even fucking Barry Bonds' is holding for like a decade. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's a really weird thing that, that's been focused on by the big four. Um, and there's something kind of brilliant about these pro game leagues getting in, a, in on this problem at a very embryonic stage. Um, right. So that the sport, you know, for instance, playing CS:GO or something like that, is not an old sport. It's not 130 years old like baseball is. Right. Um, and they don't, they're not just dealing with the problem now; they're dealing with it really at again at its embryonic stage. And I think there's something positive about that. I too was surprised that Adderall was the drug of choice. I would have thought maybe some other things would have been. But that's what that's what they're taking. And and it's 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 interesting that this is a problem. But I don't. I've talked about it before. I don't I don't agree with the term esports in the sense that I don't think it reflects a real athletic sport, which I think is what the, the word sport means. Um, right. But I respect the people that are into it. I respect the people that play these things. It's very, very competitive. As someone who plays chess, which I don't consider a sport, it's a very similar thing. It's a mind game. It's also a skill game. And you have to have your faculties about you. And you have to do it in a more natural and organic way, which I think is what they're kind of trying to make them do. They're also trying to look out for their athletes or, you know, their, you know, their e-athletes or whatever. Um, so I think that. Regardless of how you want to term, what you know, categorize what they do, it's cool that they actually, you know, in hindsight, now that I really have thought about it, it's kind of cool that they've they've nipped this in the bud now because it might be a really significant issue in five or ten years with different kinds of drugs. And at least there's a precedent set where it's like, well, we did this from the very beginning. And so it seems – to me it seems like they care. And I think that that's, uh, right. that's, that's, that's rare, man, because, you know, you always hear fucking horror stories. You know, we're big football fans. You hear horror stories in the NFL about, you know, just get your injection and go back out there or – Hockey players are the fucking craziest people because they, um, you know. And I played hockey for a long time, and it really isn't born in the sport where it's like just fucking get out there. You know what I mean? And you know that that famous shot of uh, this past spring of a guy getting sliced across his face by a skate and was back in like they just right. stitched him up you know the guy should have been in the fucking hospital you know right, right? so there comes a point of like you're not you're not a, you're not more of a man or more of a woman by doing these kinds of things after a while you have to fucking be safe and 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 uh someone on that bench should have been like you really in the hockey team should have been like you really should go to the fucking hospital but he knew that but he knew that his coaches would look down on him, and his and his and his peers would look down on him, and he's going to be on ESPN and on Sports Center. He's going to look like a fucking man, but really, he should been more worried about is he going to lose his fucking eyeball. Right, um, right. And... He's
2: like, Hey, hey, Vladimir, are you going to use that tooth? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Thank exactly. you So much for your
1: tooth. Uh, so I don't know. I respect it. I respect it. That's my kind of take on it. See, what do you think?
0: Um, you know. Uh, much much like what Colin said is it is great that they're they're uh trying to do their best to nip it in the bud uh before it really becomes problematic um and you know and we really don't know how how systemic uh, of a problem it, it it has been uh up until this point but the question that I have is what are they going to test for you know obviously right. they, you know they did talk about Adderall um but you were kinda of joking. But you know, what about Red Bull? What about Monster? What about these these things? You know, am I going to be able to take if I can't take Adderall, can I take Nodos? You know? Can I right, take these right. things? These you know, they're they're caffeine pills. And if I can't take those, then why can't I drink Monster? And if you you know you obviously you got to be able to drink Monster because they're sponsoring everything. Right. So, so um, you know, so I mean, if you're not going to outlaw Monster, then you you know, are you going to outlaw Nodos? Are you going to outlaw all these other things? And you know, are you going to test for things like marijuana? You know, personally, marijuana testing in any sport. Um, you know, classifying marijuana as a performance-enhancing drug is is the most oxy- oxymoronic thing that I've heard in sports.
2: W- wait a minute. Uh, actually, you know what? Here's here's where it would actually be worth it. Okay. Professional eating. Oh, all right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a great point. That's a. Great Kobayashi great point.
0: cannot smoke a doob. He That's can't have saying. a blunt before before oh, on July
1: fourth,
2: before he goes to Coney Island. Cody Chestnut smoking a bowl before.
1: (laughs) It's smart, but but I agree with you. Like the the they're very selective, right? It's it's the same thing with the NFL. Like Sheldon Richardson on the Jets, who's the Jets' best player, was has been suspended for four games for smoking weed. And I lost my mind when I saw that because I'm like, who gives a shit? Like he's not. This if anything is hurting him. Hurting himself. I don't really believe that that it's hurting him. But the funny thing is is that um, he can go drink. And, right. and that's going to be and way absolutely. more destructive on him than, than – Absolutely. And, and there's nothing wrong with drinking either. I'm just saying it, it, it. they're just so selective about it. Weed's not fucking killing anyone, and it's right. certainly no. not hindering his performance in any, right. any means It's not way, enhancing so. it at all at, 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 at any no. level. But it might – At it, any level. It, it, I agree with you, but it might be good for him – and I'm not saying he's necessarily doing it for this reason. Everyone smokes right. weed recreationally, but right. it, it, it might be good for him where it's like – I'm in a lot of pain, or I'm I'm, right. I'm, I'm stressed out. Right. I have a lot of anxiety. Right. I'm right. you can't you can't judge people based on on these very selective criteria. So I agree mm-hmm. with you. Where you know caffeine, like you're talking about with all these kinds of things, like where do you draw the line? And to me, right. that needs to be outlined because in the NFL, it's not outlined right now. And if I was the NFL PA, for instance, I'd be flipping the fuck out about this kind of stuff. And if I was mm-hmm. re- renegotiating the the CBA, which are gonna have to do in a couple of years, right. I'd, be, I'd make sure to be like, we have to take this off. If our players want to smoke marijuana, that's their business, you know. Right. But if right. you want exactly. to, if you want to go at them for these other drugs that are more performance enhancing right. and actually relevant to the game on Sunday, then you know, have at it. Sure, sure. I'd give I mean, would well, I give
2: them all the weed. Just keep them away from the fireworks, and then we'll all be good. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> right. god! Did exactly you believe those stories? This. Two different, two different players got their fucking fingers blown. That was really weird.
1: <laughs> that was some crazy shit, right? I, I remember reading crazy that the next shit. day on ESPN, and I'm like, what the fuck. To, uh, right? well, the first time I read, the guy in the Giants lost his fingers. And then it was yeah, a guy planks. in the Buccaneers or something. And I was like, really? Two yeah. different players?
2: yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because you yeah, remember when right. Ben Roethlisberger got into that bike accident? Yeah. And yeah. that was the thing. But I was like, you know, that's super kind of niche and like crazy. But like now that's way past the, the pale now with like fireworks and shit. Yeah, right, it's bizarre, right. isn't it? And I
1: was like, that was really weird. I, fireworks always... You know, Having grown up on Long Island in Summit County, the Grucci's are like a huge family out there. Grucci Fireworks right. is a yeah, big fucking yeah. company. Um, yeah. And my mom used to tell me this story about right before I was born, it was in 1982, the Grucci factory blew up on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a uh, bunch of people died. It was like a really serious thing. and that always, that always instilled a really serious fucking fear of fireworks in me. So I'm almost glad... I like looking at them and I'm not gonna fucking play with them you know what I mean right, so right these guys are getting involved in some crazy shit right. and what's so sad about it is with the limited with the limited career length of a lot of NFL players it's like you really you really fucked yourself man like yeah. A yeah. cornerback with no fingers is not a very useful cornerback. Unfortunately, <laughs> Ray, Ray. <Yeah.
0: laughs> oh shit! Yeah. He's swatting the shit
1: out of balls. I mean, maybe, maybe he can play like free safety now or something like that. But right, he ain't going to be—he's not exactly. going be, to be picking anyone off with one hand. But, he's, like, but he'll never
0: player. get called for holding.
1: No, that's true. <laughs> oh dude. shit! This is what I'm saying. Yeah, anything's, open is of, anything's open to joking about it. I, I, oh I, I do God. feel bad for those guys because it has real material economic ramifications on their career. You,
0: you, you know what? You know what though? So, so a small part of me feels bad for you, but if you're an adult and you don't know how to handle fireworks correctly, and something happens, that's fucking Darwinism. You know, I yeah, mean, fair I enough. Mean, let's, fair enough. Let, let's be real. So, I mean, just because you're a multimillionaire doesn't mean that you're not a fucking idiot.
2: Well, hey, um, wait, 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 hold on. Everyone, hey, there's a lot of people in the NFL who can run a 4 3. You can't run a four three away from a firecracker. You are fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: So yeah, so uh, so like, all right. So where do you draw the line? You know, you know, less. That I mean, that's the question. And 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 um, you know, it's the thing that gives me hope with uh, the ESL uh, in terms of how they're going to regulate uh, and and define what performance enhancing drugs are for them. Um, is the fact that the first drug that they're looking at is something that is very, very atypical from a, you know, from a sports governing body to look at, which is Adderall, which is a drug for ADHD, and they, you know, so it really makes it really sounds like to to me that they're looking at products and and drugs and and different things that will specifically give one of their in quotes athletes a competitive advantage Mm -hmm. um so so again let's make sure that the playing field is as level as it possibly can and and you know allow the the sports to take place um and and be be a, a a contest of skills as opposed to you know these things being hampered or by just arbitrary rules of, you know, doofiness.
2: Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm,
0: I'm a wordsmith.
2: You're, you're a wordsmith. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to do uh, really quick. We're going to jump into our uh, gaming looks good promo. Cause we have to definitely give reeves some props and then oh, yeah, we're gonna yeah, come yeah. back. We're going to come back from that in a second and a half. Uh, and we're going to get to our community uh, questions because we had some really go- dope questions from the community uh, for Colin. So oh, uh, we're really? going to take, take two seconds, uh, get to reach uh, Gaming Looks Good pro, uh, promo, and then we'll be right back.
0: What's up, y'all? This is Sharif Jackson, host of Gaming Looks Good, a YouTube series where we focus on diversity in video games, race, gender, and sexuality. Check out the full archive of videos at GamingLooksGood.com.
2: So that was, that was uh, our minister of no finance, uh, <laughs> Sharif Jackson, who, I don't know, we have a Patreon now, so he might not be our minister of no finance, anyway. For,
0: yeah, for much longer.
2: Yeah, for much longer. Um, so before we get up out of here, we had uh, asked our folks, uh, our Brocago community, uh, for some questions for Colin, and we had two really awesome ones. One is from... Uh, I think it's from Sharif Jackson, who is the Minister of New Finance. <laughs> See, that's some bullshit. He's double dipping. This is bullshit. Right, right. Um, so, so he he wrote in and he said, wants to know how he can get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Light a firecrack and run. Um, <laughs> so, so he asked uh, Colin. He said, "When in a console generation do you expect, quote unquote' true next gen games to 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 kind of come come out of the woodwork?" I don't know probably late right i I still don't really know what that term even
1: means when people talk about it because i I I, right. <laughs> I I have identified that to me next gen or I guess this gen now means uh technical fidelity in terms of all right let me give you an example like last generation we had um, a game like the last of us and then we had right. a game like Fallout three right and one game was all about scope, and one game was all about a tight experience. One game was about an open world and a lot of customization. One game was like a, a narrative with beautiful graphics, and it ran really well yeah. and stuff like that. I think what this generation is is that we're going to be able to put them both together. And mm. um, so I think that by the end of the generation, what you're going to find is these gorgeous open world, non-linear, choice-based games. Um, I don't think there's going to be any paradigm-shifting like new genres or anything like that. I think I think we have what we have, and I don't think games. I don't think gamers really want games to change that much. I think that. The Last of Us is a fucking third-person shooter. It's, it is it is what it is. <laughs> right, it's just right. it's just brilliant, you know? Um, right, right. So I think that what you're going to see is now that we don't have te- te- technical limitations of PS3 and Xbox 360, that you're just going to see much more ambitious and bold things because people often ask, like, well, why didn't Skyrim run on PS3? And I'm like, because the PS3 only had, you know, uh, what was it, like 500, 512, uh, and, RAM, yeah, 512 megabytes of RAM, 254 whatever it was, 58 of them needed to be used for graphics. In other words, it was split architecture where half of it needed to be used for graphics and the other half, so they basically had only like 250 megabytes of RAM to run the game. Right, and, right. and it's like, that's why it didn't work. So now that we, have, we don't have anywhere near those issues anymore, the consoles are 10 or 12 times more powerful in terms of what they can run than they were last generation. I think we're going to see uh, a synthesis of these different kinds of games that had to make technical um, choices that they no longer have to make. So you can see a game that looks like The Last of Us that plays like Fallout. And I think that that's what's going to be. And it's going to take some time. I don't think we've seen anything like that yet. Although The Witcher is a pretty good example of what I think you can do and what you can see on a next generation console.
2: And right. Dying Light. You know, oh, yeah. Yes. I, you know what? Dying Light is such an underrated game.
1: It is. It's my favorite I, game of the year. And people and people people think game. And people think I'm fucking crazy.
2: But yeah, it's a I'm, special I'm with game. you on that. I'm with you on that, because, and it was funny because they, they talked a little bit about the kind of DLC that they've put out over the year, and they've put out some pretty good stuff in that realm, too. It's been they, they didn't get a, get a lot of props on that game, and I, I'm glad that somebody else has used that besides me.
1: Yeah, Techland uh, has arrived, man. I think that, it's so funny about Witcher and Dying Light is that they're from two companies that were good, and they've been around, CD Projekt and Techland, that have been around and making games for a while, but both of them delivered games that I didn't think they were capable of making, right. and... <laughs> and it's awesome and what's so cool about these games is that they're like Eastern European you know like right. they're, these games are coming like even Metro and these other games are coming from like Poland and Ukraine yeah. Yeah. and mm-hmm. I think that that's so fucking cool like these guys are these guys are coming into their own There's, this Eastern European scene um, is gonna be a fucking force to be reckoned with I feel it you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, what CD Projekt was able to do and how pro-consumer they are and how friendly they are to their gamers. I loved that when you bought the, a copy of Witcher 3 in, in a box it, like, it had a thank you note in it Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. And I thought yeah. that was so classy. You know, so I'm rooting for these guys. Like, I'm, I'm sick of these fucking big behemoth publishers and their and their games, like, stealing all the thunder when these, these guys are putting a lot of heart and soul into their games and they're finally making it work for them. And uh, so, I, you know, I think we're already starting to see the seeds with those kinds of games and what we're going to see in the future. mm mm-hmm. um, Although I'm also curious about the rubber band effect of, of too many open world games, I, I, I feel a little exhausted by them. I almost want that's why I'm so excited about Uncharted because I'm like I just need an experience that's yep. that's linear. Just tell me a story. I, I don't want to fuck it because the way I play these games. I I started playing the the Vanishing of Ethan Carter and uh huh uh huh. It's a, it's supposed to be a linear kind of straightforward you know crime game or an adventure game but when you give me places to explore and i can just go in any direction <laughs> right. like, i just <laughs> yep. i can't not do it you know and it's a right. huge problem for me the witcher the witcher like gives me anxiety you know like yep. there's too much shit in this game it is it, I, I said it's as dense as like a dying star like a neutron star right, it's just right. it's just it just doesn't it's so small and compact yet there's so much shit in it right. um I don't know. So I think that that's, I don't know if you guys agree, but I I think that that's going to be kind of the synthesis of all those different kinds of games just being able to be realized on a technical level.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um, And lastly, speaking about huge conglomerate video game companies, uh, Mary Field, a.k.a. Linton, uh, asks from Twitter, he says, with Kojima and Konami parting ways, could Sony and Kojima open a new version of Kojima Productions as a Sony first-party studio?
1: Yeah, I think it's possible. I, I don't know. Here's what I know about this Kojima situation. We actually talked about this, I think, on the Gamescast that goes live next week, but I'll give you guys a sneak peek. Um, Kojima, there's going to be a big fight behind the scenes for Kojima. And, um, mm-hmm. And it's gonna be really interesting to see how it works out because I really do feel like Kojima can walk into any publisher, any big publisher, so Activision EA, UB, Microsoft, Sony, etc., and say, like, I want to make a game, I need four years, I need a hundred people, I need forty million dollars. And it'd be like, whatever you want. You know what right. I mean? Whatever you want, we're gonna give it to you. Um, Greg is of a different feeling where he feels like Kojima wants to get out of that system and make smaller games and maybe even go to Kickstarter and my whole thing is like I think that's a huge mistake for him because Keiji Inafune and Koji Igarashi existed in the realm of these smaller games already Um, 2D Metroidvania games or side-scrolling action games even though Inafune made Animusha and Dead Rising I mean that's really what he's known for Right. right. Kojima wants to be a movie director I mean that's right and and you can't make your game for 9 million dollars you know so I think that there's going to be a massive fight that we'll probably never even hear about to like get him, and uh, I think Sony, considering Metal Gear's heritage, um, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid heritage, because Metal Gear's heritage is really on the NES and the MSX. I mean, the NES, right, um, right, right? But Metal Gear Solid heritage is so firmly PlayStation that I think that Sony has a leg up. And if and if you know, Sony should absolutely try to secure him because what my what I suspect is that Kojima is not only going to you know be on his own, obviously, but he's going to probably take everyone with him. And that and that and that right. studio because that studio still exists. That Konami studio still exists in Southern California and also in Japan. And I think that he's going to get them. So um, you know, so, so he's
2: going to be the biggest free agent on the market.
1: Oh, so. there's no, that's a great way of putting it. And I think I think there's no doubt about it because I talked about that with Amy Hennig too, where you know Amy left Naughty Dog and was kind of out there for a little while in the ether. And I couldn't ima- I can't imagine the fucking quarrelling that went on. Oh my god! To oh try to get gosh. her to write their next game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like and yeah. and, and EA won. But I'm sure right, that like, there were other people that were doing anything. Oh yeah, better. oh yeah. And I'm she sure could, what they, she could have. I'm sorry. She could
0: have put. A, she could have put a, uh, an ESPN special together for herself. <laughs> yeah, <she could've laughs> been talking about where she was taking her talents
1: to. Yeah, exactly. Um, She's so smart and so savvy. Right. Um, and I think what EA probably did was like it was like ps- you could write a Star Wars game, you know. And she was probably like, because right. oh. I think anyone would have been like because I'm sure she has her own ideas. I know I know her personally, and I, and I know how studious she is, and. When I went and visited her for a history of Naughty Dog, because uh, I interviewed her right. and a bunch of other people for that, great, um,
0: great, great fucking story. By the way, thank you. That I never got great, to finish it, unfortunately. Great I, piece, man.
1: But thank you. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. She, yeah. her, her, her room, her office is fucking covered in books and DVDs and games. Mm. And she's she's looking at this scene in this game, and then she turns on this, uh, you know, turn on this movie, and she's like, "This is what inspired me here." And then she's got books about pi- what I saw are pirates and piracy. All over mm-hmm. her her desk and just bookmarks in them and so i I mean, you're fucking crazy in the best way possible. You know, like right. <laughs> getting that kind of studiousness towards a, an IP like Star Wars is highly beneficial to EA and Visceral yeah. so. yeah, But again, she, it's just she an, is it, one of those people. It, yeah, she's 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 a she's a an amazing talent. So I, a, a similar thing, with Kojima man, <laughs> he he can write his ticket. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that we can one
2: day. I, I met her at uh, GDC this year, and I was like fanboying hard <laughs> when I rolled up <laughs> on her. Uh, oh my gosh, then, oh my gosh. <laughs> and we see. So like if Kojima wants to go somewhere, there's two places I'd like him to go. One, I'd do, I would like to see that whole Sony move happen. Or since Spike Lee is doing 2K, I want Kojima to go to the Knicks because we need something to bring people into the stands. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what we
0: need is, is Solid Snake on the Knicks.
2: <laughs> now starting. Keep, keep that motherfucker keeper Sutherland <laughs> out of my stadium. Get him out of right. the stadium. <laughs> the <laughs> fucking Knicks, man. What's wrong with that team? There, oh, we, could do, we could do a whole other show
1: just on that shit. Though, uh, it's funny oh. because I never affiliated. People always ask me, like, what's your favorite basketball team? And I'm like, well, right. I grew up, you know, Islanders, Jets, Yankees. I'm a Yankee fan because right. my family, right. is just a, they're from right the Right on, baby. And I, I should be a Mets fan, but I'm not. Um, right. Yeah, but everyone's like, well, "What's your basketball allegiance?" I'm like, I don't really care. I always hated the Knicks because they played it in Madison Square Garden, um, <laughs> where the Rangers play. <laughs> There's just a bad mojo there for me, you know. But now that the Nets had moved to the island, um, I, you know, in Brooklyn, I'm like, well, I'm a Nets fan now. But I'm very passive about it because I'm like, I don't pretend to know the intricacies of. The, I like basketball. I understand the sport, but the intricacies of the NBA and stuff like that. But I kind of pull for them. But it's so people always ask about the Knicks, and I'm like, all I know about the Knicks. Just remembering growing up is just how awful they are. Like, <laughs> like even in, like those early and mid nineties when they had some promise, Ewing and all those right. guys. This is a great thirty for thirty about that whole the the whole Pacers oh, yeah. Knicks dynamic. Um, right. I was like, they just could never figure it out. It always seemed like they were going to win. Wasn't it the Knicks Rockets that finals? Yeah, yes, um, yes. yes. I remember Riley, that. And I was Pat like, Riley. yeah, I was like,
2: Jesus. Christ. Ice. Like, well, that was, well. We lost that because of O. J. Simpson. That was O. J. Simpson's
0: fault. Well, yeah, I mean, and and because uh, well, <laughs>
2: he was he was rolling down the highway. Oh like yeah, right there's down that down thirty the for
1: thirty about that too. Yes, about, yes, about, uh, about that, that whole day. day. What a great thirty that, for thirty! I realized after yeah. that thirty for thirty, no one there's no narration in it, which is awesome. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. That was a great one. Anyway, I digress again. Um, no worries.
0: Um So I've got I've got one last question for you, Colin. Sure. If you're ready for this, I'm ready. I think NASA Coliseum. Miss it
1: or let it burn. I'll miss it. Um, I think that. You, I'm sure you've been to games at the Barn, and and yeah. there's something. There's something really special about that place. I really think that there's only a few buildings like that left in the league, and they're all going to go away, like the Saddledome in Calgary and where Edmonton right. plays. There's something really unique about that building, not only in its history, but the way it's built and its sight lines and its acoustics. Right. Um, I'll stand by it until the fucking day I die. That is the loudest building in the NHL. And louder than <laughs> Montreal, louder than anywhere. I've been in that building in the playoffs and it's fucking deafening. And um, you can hear it when you watch the playoffs game playoff games on TV. Like it's it's just right. extraordinarily loud. And it's our fan base is right. passionate, but it's also the building. Um right. And I'm super interested to see how things – I'm glad – you know, I remember waking up August 1st, 2011, I think it was, when they announced that they were going to move to Brooklyn. And it was such right. a relief because I was like, thank God they're not moving to Kansas City or Quebec or something like that. Right, Because right, right, people right, don't right, realize right. as the crow flies, Barclays Center is only like 15 miles from Nassau Coliseum. So Exactly. So- so exactly. everyone's like, they're moving to Brooklyn. What do you think of that? I'm like, they're right, not... Right. You don't understand geography. Like, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> they're not even moving off the island. Yeah, right? yeah, they're still on the island. They're the islanders. They're like, oh, they're going to change right. their logo. And so I'm like, no, they're still on the no. fucking island. Uh, right. um, but but my hope and my dream is... Listen, Nassau County made a massive mistake. and every, Or Nassau County. And everyone knows that.
3: Right,
0: right.
1: Um, it shouldn't have been up for a vote because no one's going to vote to increase their taxes, especially on Long Island. That's a fucking tale all this time. <laughs> oh, right. um, and... There, what's going to happen to Uniondale and the surrounding areas around Hofstra is it's just going to be a fucking decrepit shithole now. And yep. – um, Oh, you mean it wasn't a decrepit shithole before? It was pretty close, but now it's going to be yeah. like really bad. <laughs> yes. And what's so fucked up about it is that Charles Wong offered to do that himself with his own so, money. Yep. And they yep. – they, they, they said no. Totally shat the bed and they saw the like two, two – And what, what what's – What's so frustrating about it is that, like that now they're going to renovate it and build something new there. And it's going to be like, and maybe the Sound Tigers, the NHL, NH, the, the, the Islanders, the AHL team will move right. there. And I'm like, come on, guys. Right. My right. hope is, and I think that this is possible, especially because of the ownership groups kind of crossing over between Nassau and Barclays, is that the Islanders will end up back there, um, hmm. you know, in five years or so. That's where they belong. And right. in the meantime, we'll, we'll live in our, in, in our sister building, and I'm so happy to be there. I think Barclays Center is going to be great, although it's not made for hockey. Um, but... It's really sad, and the way they went out this year in the playoffs was really sad to me. Because uh, I, I, Greg, Greg, really an authentic way, had me believing that they were the team of destiny. He was like, he was like, they're going to win, they're going to win. Because I, I kept telling him, he's like, when would they play the Rangers in the playoffs? And I'm like, they'll play the Rangers in the second round. And he's like, they are yeah. the team of destiny. Like they're going to play the Rangers. That's how they have to go out. And it just didn't end up happening. But um, I'm just glad that we kept, we kept the team. They're going to have a new fans in Brooklyn. The team is on the up and up. They're going to be great next year. Right. So right. so. I don't know. It's sad to see it go because it's, you know you, you know because you've seen games there. It's it's a really special building. I've seen a lot of hockey games in a lot of places and and, and, and been around a lot of fan bases. San Jose has a beautiful building and and their and their yeah. fans are fucking boring. You know, like I, I like I. Right. It's no disrespect to them and their hockey knowledge or their love of hockey. They, they have no tradition.
0: Never. They have no. no they hockey have no tradition. tradition in San Jose. Right.
1: I, I went there. So my best friend Ramon and I went there to see a game when he was out here, and he's a huge Devils fan. Um, and so he likes to go into games with The Rock and stuff like that and I, and, right. and to me I was always like uh, well let's go to a San Jose game I want you to experience this and we were just making fun of the fact that and I felt bad about this we were making fun of the fact that their rafters are full of these fucking random ass banners like like, this, <laughs> like Pacific Division winner and like right. President Stroke <laughs> and all these and I'm like where are your fucking Stanley Cup banners so, wait you don't have one because I, I remember right. uh, the first time I went to an Island or a Sharks game where they were playing the Islanders and the Islanders were fucking terrible it was in 2009 and uh right these guys are like talking shit to me, and I had my old Islanders jersey on that had the four hashes on it for the four Stanley Cups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right, uh, right. and I was—he's uh, was like, "Yeah, you suck, The Islanders sucking and I'm like, and I'm like, and I just turned around and I was like, "One Stanley Cup, two Stanley Cups, <laughs> two Stanley Cups four Stanley Cups." And then I just pointed at the, at the rafters and I was like, "Where are your Stanley Cups?" And that and that and that shut him up pretty quick. Oh
2: my god. <laughs> I think I think that's, I what, that's what that's what that's what most Knicks fans do too when they talk shit to other people. It's like, so where you? How many how many championships you got? Uh, seventy <laughs> three. Right. Yeah. I, I wasn't 71. born then, but had right, right, the right. one. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I so I live I live in Chicago, and uh, you know they've they've uh, reinvigorated their hockey tradition here. Absolutely. And I was I was desperately hoping. That I would have to overpay for the opportunity to watch my Islanders in uh, in what Chicagoans call the the loudest the loudest place to uh, to see a game.
1: Yeah, maybe know, in their dreams in, in, in the in the United <clears throat> Center. Yeah, the United well, Center is a cool building, man. A great tradition. I'm, I'm happy for them because right. they are building a great tradition there with some really right. great homegrown right. players. I, I think it's exactly. It's not like when yeah. the Rangers won the Cup and they just bought the Edmonton Oilers. But,
0: right. They just bought. Yeah. They just bought the team in. Uh, that's fucking Jim Dolan for you.
1: Though. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I'll never. I'll never yeah. let them live that down. You know. It's like the Islanders. Right. Well, you know the. You know, if you know the Rangers suck, right. clap your hands. Uh, right. You know, if you know the Rangers suck, hands. <laughs> If you know the Rangers suck in '94, you bought the Cup. And so it's true. It was such a. Fl- There's like 11 players on that team that were on the Oilers. You know right, right, right. It's like yeah. every, almost everyone of any consequence on that team was Esther and Mark Mestier, like all these guys. Yeah, like, all, yep, right, yep. all right, all yep. right, yeah, you yep. won the cup. If that's what makes you feel better, okay, right. Good. You guys, I, won, I, right. I kind yeah. of
2: love the fact that hockey fans are so fucking salty about their history. That shit is so good, <laughs> yeah. It's so good. You are two salty motherfuckers. I love you both. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end this show at this with point. With two salty motherfuckers. With two salty motherfuckers. If you ever wanted to do a sports <laughs> podcast, you could just call it Two Salty Motherfuckers." that would be funny. Right? <laughs> That'll be great. Um, <laughs> Co- Colin, I have to say, man, we when when I pitched it to when we both pitched it to each other, it was like, yo, I, I spoke to Colin. Maybe we can get him on the show. We had an idea of how dope the show was going to be. We you have far and beyond surpassed all all expectations on. on on those levels so that's right thank nice you, to you thank you so much for for rocking with us tonight um and hanging out with us um again we 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 want to say uh it's, it's been awesome to have you on if you want to plug all the dope stuff that you're doing that kind of funny uh here you go no thank yeah thank, well first of all thank you for the kind words and yeah you could follow me at no
1: taxation on uh twitter yes a very republican name and uh, <laughs> uh, at kind of funny vids on uh, on Twitter, you can follow us all there. We just uh, youtube.com slash kind of funny, slash kind of funny games. We appreciate you. So uh, if you want to enjoy that content, thank you, and thank you for having me on. It was, it was a great time. I had a, a, the time flew right by. I I'm, I'm, and I'm happy to be on again in the future. So please have me back. We would we would love that. Oh, we would definitely run on, love that. Run
0: on. Yeah, and uh, Patreon. dot slash kind of funny games, right?
1: Yep, kind of funny and kind of funny games for the different kind of products, funny. and we we so appreciate. Uh, i I'm 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 going to tweet this out certainly when it goes up. So uh, you know we appreciate everyone's support, and if they want to continue to support us, there it's absolutely appreciated. Not a prerequisite. Um, if you don't have the money right. or simply don't have the desire to do that, but we do appreciate it if you can do that.
0: Um. Uh, so so usually I'm left with uh, giving a coda, um and and I w- I won't disappoint, um, Colin. I I just want to say i've i've been a fan of yours for years um i've been a fan of greg's for years um our first our very first guest was the one and only dave Finoy of which of whom i'm sure you're very acquainted and uh and he actually didn't do up at noon um that particular day to do our show so wow. uh so, yeah. So so let Greg know that. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but but but, you know, I want to I want to say a couple of things. First, first and foremost, you know, I feel connected to you um, because we're both islanders. Um, you know, we're both from the island. And, and 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 secondly, I feel connected to Greg because he's from Chicago and, you know, I'm here in Chicago, so I kind of understand um, his sensibilities, um, but but I've always connected with you you know not only because of you know our our very kind of atypical and similar you know similar and atypical uh, political affiliations and, and you know uh, uh, similar ideological tracks um, but also the fact that you never shied away from beating to your own drum and and really bringing intelligence, education and, and, and elocution to both podcasting and to your writing. Um, so so you know I, I really want to say that uh, it's always been a pleasure to to read your work and to listen to the things that you have to say um, and you haven't disappointed today. so I'm you know uh, indebted to you and you know I want to thank you for lots of things and and thank you again for, uh, for your time here.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for the kind words. It was it was a great time, and and uh, yeah. thank you to your audience as well for dealing with me, uh, <laughs> yeah. for, uh, you know, some some two hours. You're, Much appreciated. You're
0: you're yeah. always always welcome in Bracago. Always welcome in Chicago. Um, and uh, i i th- I think that's it. Um, I think it's time for us to give our social media business. What do you think, huh? Bust it up All right, there it is Uh, so on Twitter you can find our great captain Kali Fadams at Kajakins you can find me the bumbler stumbler and fumbler of words at stubby stan Uh, find the show at spawn point uh, at spawn point blog what was that thing that's one on me (laughs) that's one on me it's been a while Um, (laughs) and and remember remember our network at ESN uh, at ESNFM and our buddy Dan the Robot at Dan the Robot, who will be moving soon. Please send your uh, best wishes to him. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, find the show, spawn on me, Spawn me online or ESN.fm slash spawn on me. Um, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash spawn on me. And uh, buy our merch, redbubble.com slash spawn on me. Email us, spawn uh feedback at spawn spawn <laughs> <That's>
2: a lot <laughs> I, of I'm shit resty. you're saying right, right, right yeah, now right it's a nice. lot it's a lot of <laughs> shit um we plugged and, the shit out
0: of our show right right and and finally finally uh go to speak, speakpipe.com slash on me to to send us voicemails and finally of course uh now that we are following in the footsteps of the great kind of funny who have popularized this uh go to our patreon patreon.com slash spawn on me if you want to help us grow if you like what we do and you want to give us a few bucks uh to help us grow and and give you more um please do so
2: word we, we just again re- not
0: not a re- prerequisite but, Absolutely,
2: uh, we want we want yeah. a grassroots, non Republican kind of Patreon happening. We, <laughs> we, want, we want we want we want lots of dollar donors uh, who, who are trying to help us out. Um, really quickly, I uh, have to give a big shout out to uh, Milton over at Slovenly Gamer. Word, the Slovenly Gamer Word. podcast. Uh, yeah. When you guys have heard when when you guys hear this show, uh, he would have become an adult and gotten married. Uh, so I'm going down to his wedding. Uh, after after uh we record this bad boy this weekend, so much love to you brother it's been an amazing ride for you, and now uh, you 're going to be a married man, so that is pretty damn dope so uh again, yeah. thank you to everyone who has donated to our patreon we oh, we hit the the hundred we are over the hundred dollar mark uh, we're, i think we 're around one hundred and fifteen bucks uh, well, right man, now, which is awesome uh and we are going to get up out of here. This has been the spawn on me podcast episode seventy one Thank you so much, Bukago. We love you all. We will say peace. peace.